How to win a bar fight and practice diplomacy while negotiating a bounty on your head. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jackdaw Cry, read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Content warnings available in description. Chapter 8 And give me this single guiding light. Honestly, Luke hadn't known what to expect when he'd been told they would be attending a talent exhibition from Zev's and several other academies, but it sure wasn't this. He thought he'd perhaps see the kind of brilliance and education financed with more credits than Luke could even imagine would produce, but so far it had been pretty, well, he didn't want to say boring, but it all seemed to lack a certain spark. Tyrion had been leading them around the art gallery featuring the students' works, and while they were certainly beautiful, displaying a lot of technical skills Luke couldn't even hope to name and an understanding of what created a nice picture or sculpture or painting or whatnot, they still just lacked something something unique and sparking and special, something that said the artist had a message, an idea, a passion. There were only so many paintings of the same kinds of fields and lakes and fruit bowls over and over again that he could admire before he began to notice that he couldn't even tell which artist made which set of paintings without a helpful little plaque telling him so. There was no variation in style or subject, no indication that the artist had challenged or experimented with something, or even that they were just showing something off. Even in the more colorful propaganda pieces, the battles and people seemed to be more like stationed props than dynamic characters in a scene, and the stories they told, or at least that the plaques told him they told, never seemed to be anything more complicated than victory and glory. Sons, the first time he'd seen Vader in one of those pieces, he hadn't even recognized the man. The strange, stiff, brutish, black-armored figure standing in what was supposed to be a victory over some defeated rebels, so entirely lacking in everything Vader that he'd refused to believe it was the man at first, much to his companion's amusement. In his defense, nothing about the caricature in the painting had even looked like Vader in anything but the armor it wore— it had been utterly expressionless, one foot stiffly planted on top of one of the rebel corpses and holding a glowing beam of red light clenched in one of two fists and out towards an unseen direction while troopers rushed forward in the old, clunky armor suits like blind morons. Honestly, it was absolutely ridiculous. Where was Vader's spark? The restrained strength and odd grace? Where were the surprisingly delicate and animated gestures those metal hands could make? the expressions that were nearly like an open book, despite the blank mask with how thoroughly Vader animated his emotions. Where was his home's spirit? And much to his disappointment, it was a trend that had continued throughout the rest of most paintings. His home was something of a semi-popular subject for these kinds of things, apparently, a fact that surprised him until Zev had quietly reminded him of the fact that Vader was essentially the face of the Empire— something that marked him down as an easy symbol to convey victory of the Empire through for propaganda purposes, but entirely ignored him as a person. It was saddening, if he was honest. So many pictures of Darth Vader, the Empire's fist, and yet not one of them was recognizable as Vader, his home. 
and it seemed to be something of a recurring pattern within the art gallery, beautiful art that was clearly created by skilled hands, and yet there was nothing inside it. He couldn't even feel anything from the art, nearly having to stand on top of it to get even the faintest whispers of emotions that had gone into them, something that was honestly upsetting to him when he recalled how even simple murals on rock walls back on Tatooine had packed more of a punch than that, sometimes nearly screaming and howling out the emotions that had gone into their creation, despite being centuries or millennia old, their creators long gone. "'Not feeling this one either, huh?' Quinn asked quietly. And Luke snapped out of his thoughts as he realized he'd been staring at yet another caricature of Vader while thinking his morose thoughts. No, he agreed just as quietly. It just isn't him. It's like a puppet wearing his armor, but it isn't him. There's nothing in it that even comes close to reflecting who he is or showing his spark. Quinn snorted at his words. And with a raised eyebrow, Luke prompted him to elaborate on that particular sound before quickly being waved off. Sorry, sorry, Quinn apologized quickly. But it's just, I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe Lord Vader as having a spark. Luke rolled his eyes, but huffed out a laugh. Fair enough, it wasn't the first time he'd heard such sentiments before, and Vader himself had admitted that he'd been apathetic to nearly everything before Luke had arrived. Which wasn't exactly something he believed, considering he had seen the way the man treated both troopers and droids even before Luke had shown up but it still gave a good general overview of how people would be seeing Vader. Well, trust me, he muttered as he looked over the depressing painting once more before moving on. He definitely has one, and a strong one at that. Curious like a lothcat and stubborn like a bantha bull he may be, but if there's one thing he isn't lacking, it's spark. Zev laughed softly, the air thick around him with memories and Luke shot him a grin as he remembered telling him about Vader's more unique shenanigans, something that earned him an odd look from the other two members of their little group, backed by bafflement and curiosity strong enough that it wasn't much of a surprise when a question followed up the statement. You know, Quinn continued carefully, wariness strong within him but altogether too curious to back down, and Luke could admit to himself that he was rather intrigued by the kind of questions that could inspire those kinds of emotions— I didn't think I would ever ask this, but what's he like? Lord Vader, I mean. Quinn! Zev hissed under his breath in reprimand. But if it was to keep Luke from reacting to the question, it was already way too late. Honestly, he was surprised that this was the first time anyone had asked him that question, with how most people seemed to be in a constant state of confusion and surprise at various intensities whenever Vader was around, he would have thought that many more people would be trying to sate their curiosity. And yet here Quinn stood as the first. Maybe that said something about the courage, customs, or assumptions of most people in the core and mid-rim, or maybe it spoke of something else entirely. But for having the courage to be the first, he figured Quinn deserved at least some form of answer. It's all right, Seth, he soothed, trying to bring down the hackles of his friend as he stopped in front of another disappointing propagandist, as Quinn had called them at some point, with yet another caricature of his home. I don't mind in the least. Still scrutinizing the strange, almost beetle-like armored figure in the painting that was supposed to be Vader, he directed his next question towards Quinn. Now what was it you wanted to know, Quinn? The sounds of nervous shuffling reached his ears from behind him, accompanied by rapidly gathering uncertainty, until finally a throat was cleared and a modicum of determination resurfaced. What's he like? Quinn repeated. 
and Luke glanced away from the painting to observe Quinn from the corner of his eye. You always hear these stories of who Darth Vader is, big, fierce, deadly, merciless. But you talk about him and he sounds different. Like a person? Luke suggested lightly, smirking when some discomfort crept into the air. Well, yeah, Quinn agreed bluntly, shrugging in a what-can-you-do manner. So what's he like, as a person, I mean? Intense, Luke immediately answered, honestly, no doubt about it in his mind. He's a storm of a person, and never gives less than everything or nothing at all in any given situation, with nearly no in-between. He can be a right pain when he wants to be, and stubborn like no other once he makes up his mind on something. Shock and surprise, two emotions that absolutely weren't a surprise to Luke as he felt them coming from his companions, grinning wide at the memories that were coming back. But he's kind, too, he continued, the warmth of those memories wrapping around him like a blanket. Much more so than you might think, and he's surprisingly gentle when he wants to be. He's deeply affectionate with those he trusts, and shows it whenever he can. He walked along to the next art piece, Quinn, Zev, and Tyrion trailing after him with minds that were each a tangle and snarl of emotions and thoughts, and Luke had the distinct impression that none of them had exactly been expecting his answer. Well, too bad. It was the only one he had, and they'd asked for it. He's honest, Luke recalled, not being able to recall a single moment where Vader had actually lied to him about anything significant, something which still pleasantly surprised him, and which he tried to repay as best he could with his own honesty, although brutally so sometimes, he admitted with a huff of laughter, and sons, he can be a real mother hen when he wants to be, fussing over every little inconvenience experienced by everyone but himself, because apparently a medical test was too much for him to bear, but life support that had been out of date eighteen years ago was just fine. Luke huffed. Though that's only when he isn't the one causing the inconveniences, he groused, mischief-maker that he is. Wait, Quinn interrupted with a jolt of disbelief. You're telling me that Darth Vader likes to prank people? Oh, yeah, Luke confirmed with an amused smile. Though I doubt he'd do it to people he neither likes nor trusts, but he certainly likes to tease and cause mischief as a sign of affection. His favorite mischief seems to be to sneak up on me without me noticing and giving me a right big scare when he finally reveals himself. Sons, his heart had skipped so many beats when the man had suddenly popped up out of seemingly nothing. He does claim that it's also a way to train me to be better at detecting people around me, Luke added with a roll of his eyes, but he honestly just likes startling me. That, more than anything, seemed to grind the gears of his companions' minds to a halt like he'd just thrown a whole handful of sand into them. Well, he supposed that was understandable if they'd thought of Vader as someone who was entirely serious all the time, which, to be fair, wasn't all that bad of an interpretation when it came to the man's demeanor about his work. He doubted Vader even understood the concept of taking it easy and having a moment or two to just relax in, but that was a problem he was at least familiar with when it came to his charges and had some idea on how to work on. Ah, oh, well, later. There would be time later. For now, he still had to concern himself about his other charge and his friends, who were apparently taking the revelation that Vader was a person underneath that gleaming armor, complete with quirks and desires and dreams like the rest of them, rather badly. Or, well, not badly, but it was definitely hitting them hard. He huffed at a sound and considered the three of them. Both Tyrion and Quinn were looking more than a little stunned, which he could understand if they had to suddenly process all this, but even Zev seemed to be taken aback, and honestly, he found that a little harder to believe. 
He told him plenty of stories concerning Vader, but apparently it was only now sinking in what that meant. He sighed. Honestly, guys, he huffed as he moved on to the next painting, thankfully one of a nice fruit basket that didn't have to pretend to have a personality, or personhood for that matter. There's more to Vader than just the mask or armor. He's got an identity and name beyond his service to the Empire, and a much stronger one at that soon enough if Luke had any say in it. Surprisingly, it was Tyrion who first spoke up, voice soft and thoughtful, but already far less hesitant than he'd started out, an improvement Luke was more than pleased at. I suppose I hadn't really thought about it that way, he mumbled, pensive thoughts mingling with a slight sense of shame. He always just seemed immutable, I suppose. None of the things I was ever told about him ever mentioned anything in the way of Darth Vader being something other than the Empire's most devoted servant, an extension of its will, I guess. Yeah, Quinn agreed quietly. It was much the same for me. He was just there, always. Luke hummed lowly at that information, noting that it fell pretty much in line with what Empire propaganda they got out on Tatooine. The influence of it must be much stronger and more pervasive in the systems the Empire actually cared about, painting Vader as powerful, yes, but also entirely without anything distinguishing him beyond his power and his loyalty to the Empire, or rather the Emperor. Darth Vader was simply the face of the Empire and nothing more, certainly not a person with thoughts and dreams all his own. And he had a creeping suspicion of who was responsible for that general view of his home. Well then, he said mildly, unwilling to put the blame on any of the three for not realizing what seems to be deliberately suppressed in the public consciousness. I suppose you know now. He smiled as he turned towards them, feeling his own bit of mischief dance through the air like feathers in a breeze. And also that anyone telling you in the future that Vader is none of those things is absolutely full of it, and probably also unaware that he really likes flowers. The tense atmosphere blinked out of existence like a switch had been flipped, and incredulous looks quickly gave way to badly stifled laughter that unfortunately gave at least Tyrion in the hiccups by trying to keep it down, while Zev merely looked like he'd tasted something unpleasant right as someone had told an excellent joke. It was a journey of expressions, is what he was saying. You're joking, Quinn accused him with a toothy smile, looking absolutely delighted and like he wouldn't even care if Luke told him he was. You've got to be pulling my leg. I'm delighted to inform you that I'm both absolutely serious and that it's something Vader and I both have in common, Luke told Quinn primly, keeping the stiff and formal tone of his voice for all of two minutes before he couldn't keep the smile off his face any longer, and Quinn nearly choked on his snort. A sweet fool, so serious, Zev abruptly blurted out, looking both horrified and overjoyed at the same time. Lord Vader actually likes flowers. A sweet fucking fools. Like I said, Luke continued taking in the warmth of surprised but delighted joy and finding himself pretty content in turn. We both have a fondness for all things that grow and bloom, and in fact, one of Vader's most important gifts to me right after my prosthesis was a flowering plant with deep cultural symbolism attached to it. Dare I ask what that symbolism was? Zev asked with a raised eyebrow, and Luke shot him a mischievous look. You could, he confirmed placidly, but don't expect an answer just yet. Both he and I are still working our way through the message that plant sent, and we haven't reached a definite conclusion yet. You'll know once we've reached a consensus in that particular development. 
Raising the one eyebrow even further still, Zev crossed his arms with an expression that showcased just how much he doubted that statement. Uh-huh. And it has nothing to do with how, a couple of months ago, you two were barely calling each other by anything but your titles, and now it's nothing but first names. Oh, it has plenty to do with it, Luke admitted freely. It's just none of your business. What happens between Vader and I is of no one's concern but ours. Fair enough, Zev conceded, dropping the issue with the dip of his head, even as some disagreement flitted about within him. Still, as long as he didn't voice it, he could disagree all he wanted, and it would be none of Luke's concern. In any case, he redirected, turning his attention towards the rest of the galaxy and wanting the topic of conversation as far away as possible from the issue of naming Vader his father while the man was still chained and blind to it. How are you all feeling about the art gallery? I know we haven't seen everything yet, but I'm pretty eager to see the rest of the exhibition, too. You mean you can't stand another bit of propaganda art and are born to tears? Zev suggested innocently, and, well... Or is it the sheer pretension of all the puffed-up art painted by equally puffed-up artists? Quinn added on just as innocently, and Luke really did have to sigh here while Tyrion did a horrible job of stifling his chuckles. Well, yes, he admitted, glancing back at the paintings and sculptures. I'm sure that it's all incredible, but it's just not to my taste, I think. Luke, it's not to anyone's taste, but that of the Censor Bureau, Zev informed him bluntly. Oh, wait, sorry. He continued on, tone positively drenched and biting sarcasm. I meant the illustrious institution of Kumpnor. And while Luke couldn't disagree with the tone used there, even if Zev's bitterness did concern him a little. It's plain to say the least, I'd have to agree, Tyrion said, putting in his two cents while looking at the art around him with a slightly pained expression, something that was more than understandable considering the breathtaking frescoes that were decorating the cupola ceiling above them, the kind that Tyrion would have grown up around and shaped his taste in art. But that also meant... Well then, he continued with a grin, if we've all had our fill of the art gallery, what are we still doing here? He asked, turning towards Tyrion, who seemed to catch on to what he was planning as he nodded eagerly. What's next on the list, Tyrion? Either the central debate stage or the buffet, I would say, Tyrion answered promptly, scanning the exit of the art gallery. The other group would have moved on from the first by now and not bother with the second if what you say about Lord Vader distracting the director is true. They're likely either at the exhibition dedicated to the sciences or at the theater performance depending on how desperate Director Magni is feeling. Wait, but isn't the performance supposed to be at... Quinn interrupted before abruptly cutting himself off and pinching the bridge of his nose with a sigh. No, wait, Lord Vader and the Quarners. Of course, stupid question. Of course the theater would play. He looked back up and gestured towards Tyrion. Sorry about the interruption. Please carry on. Right, Tyrion stammered, more than a little thrown off his game, and Luke frowned as he felt the uncertainty set back in. Well, uh, anyway, maybe the debates would be the best fit, I think. Maybe the debates, huh? Luke mused thoughtfully just loud enough to stop Tyrion's rapidly accelerating spiral back into his shell. I've never seen one live before. It sounds like a grand idea, and hopefully it's a bit more interesting than seeing someone make a lady holding some kind of fruit. A shura, Zav supplied helpfully, and Luke nodded his thanks. A shura, and trying to say it represents a glorious victory for the Empire, when she looks more like she's just a lady wanting a snack, he finished dryly feeling all the questions he had at that particular painting resurface with a vengeance. As far as he'd been aware, it was just a lady in a nice dress holding a fruit. 
Shura in one hand and a basket full of them slung over her shoulder. Honestly, if he'd been the artist, he would have just gone with the obvious and tried to tell a tale of the lady herself and why she was holding that fruit. Nothing wrong with that, right? Perhaps all the more reason why he was an engineer and not an artist. He didn't have the head for that kind of stuff. But the snickering of the others told him that they had at least somewhat agreed with his notion, so perhaps it wasn't just him being poorly versed in culture this time. He'd call that progress. And when Tyrion snickered along, too, he decided that he'd call that even more progress. All right, then, the shy heir agreed with a big grin that held little of the hesitancy he'd felt creeping back in. To the debates it is. Please, follow me. And with that, he was off towards the exit of the art gallery. "'hurrying past the last pieces and taking a sharp right "'while Luke and the others tried to keep pace. "'With their ambling pace speeding up, "'Luke soon noticed that they were starting to attract "'far more attention than before, "'and he didn't doubt that people would soon start "'connecting his uniform to the one worn "'by the person who'd walked in alongside Vader, "'which was something else he'd had to contend with "'in this strange exhibition. "'People seemed to recognize him, "'something he'd admittedly not really expected.' Oh, sure, maybe some people throughout the galaxy might still recognize him from scrap hunting, or more recently his presentation at the Senate, which Boomer had very excitedly shown him the viewing numbers of on the Holonet, but still he hadn't expected people off of the lady to pay as much attention to him as they were. Though with the words from Mr. Volus still echoing around his mind, he supposed that the mystery of seeing someone standing next to Vader, who officially had little or no business standing there, would be an intriguing thing for many people to see. It was an inconvenience for him, though, as he'd counted on being able to keep a lower profile far more easily when separated from Vader with his home drawing the heat of the attention. People were a lot less likely to talk freely around him if they recognized him as somebody instead of a safe and neutral nobody, and that was exactly the kind of attention he couldn't use when trying to figure out the lay of the land. Politics and personal agendas, rumors and gossip— it would give them both a far clearer picture of what was going on than anything the Quarters, delightful as they were, would ever tell them. Vader hadn't exactly seen the need for it, considering they would be here for a scant month and then back out into the void of deep space, but when Luke had reminded him that Quant was entirely new grounds for Luke and he couldn't learn everything he needed to know from the books he'd been gifted, he'd agreed to give Luke his chance. Besides, he always felt better about a flight if he could get a lay of the land, no matter the shape the eventual run may take. With Tyrion leading them along, though, he quickly found that more and more people were trying to subtly approach them on their path, drifting into their general direction in a way that could have almost felt like an accident if it weren't for the deliberation and single-mindedness in their goals that surrounded them. Ducking and weaving their way around them without seeming to be too deliberate was getting harder and harder, and memories of the parties back in the Imperial Palace were starting to resurface as he tried to channel as much of the storm as he dared to, flowing through the gaps in the crowd like wind through the streets of a city. "'Sons, these people are determined!' he hissed as he directed them all into avoiding another trio of men in clothes that looked to be more expensive than all of his family's evaporators combined, carrying a self-confidence that bordered dangerously on arrogance and smug superiority with them like a particularly pungent stench." What do they want? Power, credits, the usual, Zev whispered back as he followed Luke through a gap in the crowd that led right past a trooper, Luke quickly nodding towards their pursuers and receiving a curt nod in return, the trooper stepping out behind them as soon as they'd passed by and blocking the path for anyone else. And you're the ultimate prize here, so yeah, I'd say they're rather determined. Wait, prize? he asked exchanging quick glances with Tyrion to check that they were still going in the right direction with all the serpentine dodging they had to do. Well, yeah, 
Zev replied in a voice that said it should be obvious. Lord Vader has never played the game of politics the way these people want him to. You're the only known companion of Lord Vader that has ever been favoured so highly. If they can get you to do what they want, by whatever means necessary, they have a direct in with him. Ah, of course, power. It always seems to come down to that in these circles. And now, apparently, he too was a target for the perceived power he held over his home, though how they'd come to mistake the bond between his home and him for the kind of power he was pretty sure they were after, he had no idea. Grunting in frustration, he noticed another set of people starting to approach them from the sides, their intent tangibly shifting towards their little group as they passed by. With a quick tap to draw attention, Luke nodded towards them and promptly felt recognition bloom around Tyrion as he altered their course again. "'We'll get to the debates. Untouch it, I think.' Tyrion muttered as they dipped behind two Quanah guards, both of them thankfully taking the hint and following the trooper's example and blocking the path behind them. But I can't promise anything once we stand still. He shot Luke an apologetic look that was filled with a kind of understanding that told him Tyrion had experienced this far too often himself as well. You're unfortunately quite popular, he sighed, and had to agree with the assessment. As long as they were on the move, they could evade most people trying to trap them into a conversation, but once they were standing still, they'd be sitting ducks. Hopefully the debates will give us a cover to avoid any conversations, he said while looking at the stage up ahead. I do want to listen to them after all, and they'll have to leave us alone until afterwards. Don't count on it, Zeb muttered darkly, and Luke grimaced as he felt the truth to those words. But they had to try, didn't they? Thankfully, the stage was only a little further and they reached the crowds in front of it without much issue, and something to be even more thankful for was that it was a distracted crowd, with eyes mostly on the podium or their own groups, leaving them as a cover to melt into, hindering and hopefully obscuring them from any of their more persistent pursuers as they moved to the front and the side of the crowd, standing off to the corner of the stage. "'Well, mission accomplished,' he whispered, trying to keep his voice low enough that it could get lost in the din of the crowd to all but those standing right next to him, we should be able to listen to the debates here without getting interrupted. Although, considering the crowds around them, he sighed. At least for a moment. If anyone recognizes you here, we're trapped, Quinn agreed helpfully with a nod, ignoring the caustic look being shot his way by Zev as he crossed his arms. Well, at least we'll be able to see how the competition does. Now that sounded interesting. Competition, he asked, more than a little intrigued by Quinn's comment. Did he take part in those things? Apparently Quinn hadn't exactly expected that reaction, as he startled and realization popped into existence. Oh, uh, he shifted while pulling a hand through his hair, slight embarrassment making itself known. I took part in some of the earlier debates, though my team has already long since been counted out, he admitted. And I wasn't even amongst the more popular of the debaters, so... He shrugged awkwardly and, no, no, that wouldn't do at all. Well, that's still several more debates than I've ever had with my grand total of zero, he said with a smile and nudge, hoping to lift Quinn's spirits a bit and perking up when the embarrassment faded like morning mist. Think you can give us, or well, me, I guess, the rundown on how these things tend to go? Immediately, Quinn's presence brightened into hundreds of twinkling lights, importance, purpose, and experience chiming like music. Sure thing, he agreed, excitement pulsing brightly. The basics are simple enough. You have two debate teams who both get the same topic to debate on from the jury, which they then both have to pick a stance on and defend it while attempting to make points against the other side's stance until either the other party is unable to argue their point or until the jury is sufficiently swayed and gives them the win. 
Quinn scoffed as he turned his gaze to the podium. It's supposed to be based solely on facts and logic, and when it is, it's incredibly fun, but in practice, the jury gives the win to whomever they think has the best pedigree, and there's a lot of schmoozing and shady practices necessary to secure yourself a win at the higher levels, no matter how well you can argue your case. Luke clicked his tongue in disapproval, and Quinn laughed bitterly in agreement. Yeah, I agree. It's kept me in the lower ranks of the debates, and frankly, I'm not eager to move up if it means participating in that hot mess. He sighed, and a melancholic regret settled in that raised the hairs on Luke's neck. Though I suppose I wouldn't have minded if it didn't also immediately tank my rankings. There was that word again. Rankings. Both Zev and Quinn seemed to despise and fear them in equal measure, and mentioned how they either saved or doomed a student's future careers. You keep mentioning rankings, and so does Zev, he mentioned quietly, watching the stage. What are they? They, they sound unnatural. They are, Zev answered in a growl. They rank every student according to the unusual things like test scores and grades and the like, but also according to behavior and recommendation. Which means that richer students and those from more notable families have a distinct advantage, while no names like myself have it a lot harder. Restrained fury boiled around Zev, and Luke noted that while Tyrion looked distinctly uncomfortable with the whole ordeal, both in expression and emotion, Quinn seems to be more resigned than anything else. But Zev was far from done, fired up and furious as he was. And behavior can mean how respectful you are, yes, he continued in a growl, but also how conforming and obedient you are, as well as how easily you take to parroting what they tell you. Never mind that they reward you for reporting other students for transgressions that could lower their ranking by raising your own. Well now, where had he heard that before? He hummed slowly as he considered all three students with a critical eye. It sounds to me, he began slowly, that it's training the students to never question authority while also stopping them from forming lasting bonds with each other or ever trusting someone else close to them. Oh, please don't encourage him, Quinn began with a groan when Zav turns to him with a look of surprised but fervent approval, grinning fiercely. He's already bad enough, he doesn't need to be encouraged on his soapbox speeches. Luke was about to respond that, yes, actually, he very much did want to encourage that habit. It's why he wanted to keep Zev on as an aide, after all, instead of merely sending him on his way once free. He didn't get the chance, though, as a dense ball of arrogance, smug superiority, and a distinct sense of entitlement barged into the edge of his awareness with such lack of grace that his eyes immediately snapped upwards to the source of the irritation. Well, well, well. A voice drawled that set Luke's hackles on end immediately and had him take a half-step in front of his charging companions on near instinct, as he observed the speaker. It sounds like Montador made a good point for once in his life. Strutting towards them with all the confidence in the world was a young man with hair so blonde it was nearly white, with an expression that spelled out everything Luke needed to know about what he would think of the outer rim if asked, and wearing the same uniform that Zev and Quinn were wearing, but different somehow, despite the fact that he couldn't see any immediate reasons for it. Several other people flanked the young man, but nothing in their presence betrayed a bond of friendship as far as Luke could see. And there was a fondness there and a deep sense of loyalty, but he wouldn't quite say that this band of people were friends, at least not as he understood friendship, and Luke found himself gearing up for a confrontation as he kept his expression carefully blank. I'm sorry, he said, not feeling very sorry at all. And you are? That was either the wrong or right thing to say, depending on one's view of things as the young man stopped dead in his tracks, taken aback by Luke's question, 
if only for a moment before he recovered his composure and radiated a presence as self-confident and smug as ever. Cormus Alun, Alun introduced himself, offering him the customary bow Luke had gotten used to by now, and returning it with his own shallow one reluctantly. Something didn't sit well with him here. Crown Prince of the Alun System. Immediately Zev's mood dropped like a brick behind him, and, well, wasn't that something? Head Engineer Luke Lars, your highness, he returned coolly, still keeping his expression blank, not feeling particularly impressed by the title. May I ask who your companions are? But of course, Alan agreed with a tip of his head, stepping to the side. Allow me to introduce you to Garmant of the Duchy of Eric, Alan introduced. A tall guy with long hair dipped into a bow. Deerham of the Duchy of Lothar. A stocky guy with a nose that had clearly been broken once already followed suit, bowing to Luke in turn. Vietus of the Duchy of Eshmere. Thin and lanky, when the guy in question bowed, Luke felt it looked a lot like a tree swaying in heavy wind. And Ulimus of the Duchy of Tallinn. Alun finished. A broad-shouldered guy bowed to Luke, right on cue, the prince finishing his introductions with a certain sense of pride. Clearly, whatever else there was between these five, it was strong enough, even if their presence didn't quite sit well with Luke. A pleasure, he returns to all of them with his own shallow bow, before raising his eyebrow towards the prince. Now then, was there a reason for your approach and interruption of our conversation? A flash of annoyance zapped through the air around the prince, but it was quickly stifled down under another wave of confidence so strong that it bordered on obscene. I thought I recognized you, Engineer Lars. Alan said, satisfaction thick in his tone and on his face. I have to say, I'm rather surprised at the company you chose to keep. Was he now? How so? he asked, already feeling like he wouldn't appreciate where this was going and unwilling to give Alan any more openings than necessary. It was possible that he would salvage himself from this point, but from the way he'd chosen to open the conversation, Luke doubted it. And sure enough, a cold smile curled around the prince's mouth, as his eyes swept over Luke's current companion, something cruel and satisfied settling around Elan's shoulders like a mantle, anger started to boil up in Zev behind him, and from the angle of the prince's eyes, he could guess that he was taking altogether too much satisfaction out of tormenting his charge with whom he apparently had a history. Well now, not any more. Stepping pointedly in front of Zev and catching the prince's eye with an aloof gaze of his own, blocking Zev from view and setting himself down clearly as a barrier that he couldn't ignore, something that seems to be slightly misconstrued as a bid for attention as smug satisfaction within Elon flared. Oh, nothing much, Engineer Lars, he assured lightly while the lie within it grated against Luke's mind, merely that the individuals you chose all have a smattering of, let's say, unsavory rumors attached to their names. His smile turned simpering as he affected an air of false sympathy. And I'm sure you wouldn't want such an impeccable reputation tarnished by association, correct? What was it with core people and not being able to mind their own damn business? Narrowing his eyes, Luke crossed his arms over his chest and stared the smug prince down. They've been perfectly pleasant company so far, and all seem to be decent, likable people who I'm planning to get to know better he retorted calmly, bolstered when a squall of vindication and thrilled satisfaction whipped up behind him from various sources, a quiet undercurrent of warmth threaded throughout it. He tilted his head slightly as he considered the prince. Surely any rumors there are must be nothing more than idle gossip. Apparently not, if the smirk he got in return was anything to go by. 
I see they've been concealing some of the more tarnished moments in their history, Alan purred as his companions chuckled lowly, a malice behind the words that had Luke carefully tensed for confrontation. For instance, how Montador, the poor third son of the wealthy Montador family, nearly got disinherited due to his stubborn refusal to give up his chosen career path of being a musician bum. You piece of sh- Quinn hissed between his teeth before abruptly cutting off as he bit his tongue, mortification and fury burning bright within him. All that the heir of Quat once had the title heiress, and still can't assert himself as a proper gentleman, Alan continued with a vicious satisfaction, and Luke didn't even have to turn around to see Tyrion flinch away and his presence entirely crumble in on himself. That's quite enough, he began, but Alan clearly wasn't quite done yet. Or that Veers had to graduate a whole year early, as an embarrassment to his father, who still can't face him, even though the whole rest of Death Squadron's military commanders here, who everyone knows will never understand the true intricacies of the Empire, lacked the spine to be an officer in the military like his father, and will almost certainly end up with the other dregs of society in a backwater rebellion of some kind. The prince finished with a venomous hiss, and Luke nearly growled back at the sheer malicious spite and burning echoes of enmity that drenched those words. Zev apparently had no such reservations, and snarled at the prince who reared back with a satisfied gleam in his eyes, and Luke just about had it. "'That's enough,' he snapped out, letting the storm into his voice as the sands in the back of his mind hissed and burned with restrained hostility, not pleased in the slightest with this new threat to his charge and companions.' Something broke in the tension between Alan and Zev, and the prince hastily backed away his vicious demeanor with a falsely pleasant smile. But of course, my apologies, Engineer Lars. I simply didn't want to see you fall in with such a crowd. I said enough, your highness, Luke repeated. Voice as frigid as the winds of a dark night storm, cutting off Alan as he reared back with first surprise, and then a burgeoning offense that Luke couldn't care less about. I'm uncertain what kind of rivalry you pursue with Tyrion, Quinn, and Zev, but I won't look kindly on this kind of character assassination and smearing, Luke continued, keeping his voice dangerously soft and quiet as he bit down on his anger in order to keep his expression calm and collected. Alun scoffed and attempted to recover some of his lost composure. I assure you I'm not. Save it, Luke cut off coldly, uninterested in letting him spew any more of his poison. I'm not interested in hearing any more of this smear campaign, especially when I know at least one of the rumors to be entirely false for a fact. That finally seems to properly catch the prince off guard, eyes widening and composure fracturing. What? He began, but Luke pressed his advantage. I know for a fact that General Veers very much is present for the exhibition today, since I was seated in the same shuttle as him on the way here, he revealed tersely crossing his arms and glaring at the group of Alan aristocrats amongst whom he could see realization begin to set in as the until now silent dukes started to draw closer to their prince's protectiveness flaring. Furthermore, he continued, the general is incredibly proud of his son, and the only reason he isn't currently here to tell you that himself is because he's dealing with a security threat reported this morning. It was true, too. An anonymous tip that morning had come in through the Quanta's intelligence network that the planet-side underworld was getting restless, with various well-armed unknowns to the network being seen gathering in some of the darker corners of the capital city. The information had been vague, 
but with the local ruling family visiting the city as well as a few key figures from Death Squadron's military command and the high bounty on his own head, no chances had been taken, and General Veers had taken it upon himself to direct the security forces allocated for this visit. Still, he wondered what was taking so long. Never mind that, though. He had yet to comprehensively deal with this unpleasant princeling and his followers, and he had a feeling he knew the perfect way to do it. And then the first part of that vicious lie, he continued, smiling lightly without a drop of warmth. The idea that Zev had to graduate a year early because he embarrassed his father is a complete lie. I know this, he emphasized with finality, because I am the reason he had to graduate early. I hired Zev as my personal secretary in order to assist me with all manner of tasks. But he needed to finish his school and graduate first, before he was allowed to enter my employ, hence the early graduation. He was then placed under an NDA to prevent unsavory parties from taking an interest in him before we were able to give him the Protection Death Squadron grants. He had to admit, it was more than a little satisfying to hear nothing but the din of the crowd around him after he was done talking. The prince and his allies left silent and stunned as Luke laid out his points, but Luke wasn't quite done yet. And as a final matter, he finished conversationally, keeping his stance deceptively loose and casual while regarding alone with an icy distaste, I'm afraid I'll have to reject your assessment that Zev should refrain from his soapbox speeches, as I happen to be quite fond of them and the different viewpoint they provide. Finally letting his eyes narrow into a thin glare, he stared down Prince Alun, the winds in the back of his mind howling as he let some of his demeanor slip into something dangerous and quiet. So yes, he spoke softly, letting his voice drift only just above the murmuration of the crowd. You'll have to forgive me if I take your assessments of my other two companions with a grain of salt after you've shown just how little you truly know about the situation of even one of them. Luke looked on in detached interest as the prince, who was gaping like a fish stranded in a dried-up riverbed, floundered to recover from showing his hand so thoroughly when he clearly hadn't meant to. If Zem's assessment of his status at this exhibition had been correct, he'd been aiming to ingratiate or persuade Luke to his side. How he'd expected to do that by insulting every last one of Luke's newfound friends he didn't understand in the least. Either way, he'd seemed to be rather stunned at the fact that Luke was biting back in defense of them, and he abruptly wondered if Alun was at all used to people standing up to him and denying him what he wanted— with the way he was behaving and the general life experiences most people at these events seemed to lack in some way or another, he sincerely doubted it. Bracing himself for confrontation, Luke carefully watched both the prince and the dukes for the moment they'd regained their composure enough to try another strategy, senses fully flared out and catching every change of emotion in a decent radius around him. Cold. Calculating. Lethal. Luke froze as the barest hint of a presence brushed up against the very edges of his mind, faint and distant but unmistakable. To the right of him, deep in the crowd, possibly on the other side of the podium, eyes snapping over to the corner of his eyes to try and find the source of the presence without being obvious about it, subtly straightening his posture to look further into the crowd. For a moment he thought, he thought he saw something, but then the whisper of a presence faded away, as the person it belonged to moved outside of the range of his senses, leaving Luke rattled and ill at ease. That's... that hadn't felt like the usual disregard for life that most of the guests at this exhibition showed concerningly often, that it felt like someone who knew what they were doing, and were on a mission to do it, whatever it may be. 
a feeling somewhat familiar to when the troopers got serious and down to business, but not quite. Whomever it had been, they were gone now, and Luke resisted the urge to go after where he'd felt the presence disappear to. Curiosity was one thing, but going looking for trouble while he was technically on a flight and still shielding his charge from someone distinctly hostile was another, speaking of which. Shifting his eyes back over to the prince, Luke found it rather telling that he still hadn't found a good rebuttal, though clearly he was no longer in shock as his jaw worked while he was glaring darkly at the floor, mortification and anger at being caught out lashing out around him in what Luke could honestly only describe as a silent tantrum. If he eventually would have found a good retort would forever remain a mystery, though, as the announcer came on over the speakers to call up the next debate team. For our next debate, we have Team Royal and Team Blossom for a matchup between His Royal Highness Cormus Alund, ranked 14th, His Grace Garment Eric, ranked 19th, His Grace Dirum Lortho, ranked 13th, His Grace Virus Eshmere, ranked 21st, and His Grace Ulamus Tarlin, ranked 22nd, who will go up against the Gracious, Miss Dama Biendu, ranked 9th, Their Serene Highness Yanathu of the Rushing Rivers, ranked 26th, Mr. Raymar Turmas, ranked 30th, Miss Emile Lamar, ranked 11th, and Her Graciousness Gawan Fisisept, ranked 15th. All will proceed to the stage now, where the topic of the debate will be announced. Raising an eyebrow at the still flustered and furious prince, Luke wondered if he hadn't heard the announcement wrong somehow. You debate, your highness? he asked, barely able to keep the disbelief out of his voice as he considered that the person who'd botched a single conversation so spectacularly was nonetheless the apparent leader of a debate team. But when the prince clenched his jaw and flushed a shade as furious as his glare at Luke, he had to admit that that was apparently the case. Crossing his arms, he gave the prince a cold look. For your sake, I hope your argumentation won't be relying on rumor and hearsay, he continued mildly. I'll be watching the debate, and I hope to see a better performance than the one I just witnessed. From behind the prince, he could see one of the organizers of the event fast approaching, and he inclined his head towards Alun with half a smile. The best of luck, your highness. The prince either couldn't or refused to retort before the organizer ushered them all up to the podium, and Luke finally relaxed his stance as they did so, settling in to watch the event and trying not to root too much against the team of aristocrats. Or rather, he plans to, but it seemed that Quinn had finally found his voice again. Dude, he breathed, awe settling in like a gossamer veil drifting down, and Luke could feel the embarrassment set in already. That was freaking awesome. He huffed out a laugh even as he felt his cheeks flush. Thanks, Quinn. A thought suddenly occurred to him. Oh, and not to worry, he added, giving them all a smile that hopefully did its job in reassuring them. I won't be taking anything he said concerning any of you to heart. Quinn scoffed and shrugged his shoulders. Wouldn't much care if you did, to be honest, he remarked flippantly. It's true in some fashion, after all, though with the facts more than a little twisted. At that, Zev rolled his eyes, and Luke got the feeling that this was a conversation rehashed many times. Come on, man, Zev muttered. You know it wasn't like that. You've got to stop letting people believe it was, or you'll end up like I did. Well, wasn't that interesting? I get the feeling that there's more than a little story behind those lines, he remarked in an idle tone, but I won't ask. Quinn shot him a grateful look and dipped his head. I'll tell you the story at a later time, he promised before reconsidering those words. Probably, he amended. I'm not eager to revisit those moments, but all you need to know right now is that despite probably getting little to no say in the family business when I join anyway, 
it was still somehow a huge deal when I wanted to try my hand at music composition and animation anyway. He shrugged and stuck his hands in his pockets as he tried to appear unaffected, but the old hurt that welled up around him like tar betrayed his real feelings anyway. I still got to keep it as a hobby, though, so I guess it's not totally out of reach either, he added on, and this time even his voice gave away the wistfulness that quickly got squashed away as he shook his head and, with it, the feelings off of him. Somehow Luke got the feeling that it really wasn't as all right as Quinn pretended it was, but one wouldn't know it from the way he turned towards Tyrion, who was still shrunken into himself and ashen-faced. "'And what about you, dude? How badly did the fucker lie about you?' he asked lightly, clearly trying to get Tyrion out of his funk, but Luke could already tell it wouldn't be working. "'Not much,' the air whispered as he stared at the ground, visibly shaken and distraught, presence having entirely crumpled in on itself and begging not to be noticed. Not much at all. And that statement could be taken many ways, but Luke had a feeling that the heir of Quat once had the title heiress had a very distinctive meaning in this context, and if he was correct, he was definitely considering tracking down the director in spite of all he'd done to avoid the man in order to inform him of the downright appalling behavior of one of his students. I wouldn't say that, Luke refuted carefully, watching his every word. He definitely lied about you being unable to present yourself as a gentleman. I may be new to all this, he said with a vague gesture towards the opulence of the city hall, but even I can tell your manners are impeccable and that you're an excellent host. Tyrion flushed to the roots of his hair, presence unfolding a little from within itself to preen at the praise and gently thrum with a warmth that almost seems to be slightly confused. Thank you. He mumbled as he fidgeted with his hands, his mood souring a bit as he hesitantly braced himself. But that's not exactly what he meant. I think I know what he meant, Luke interrupted gently but firmly. And he had no right. We are who we choose to be. Who we name ourselves to be, he recited. Even as he knew Tyrion wouldn't understand the depths of the words but hopefully still feel the weight of them. Not everyone has the privilege of being born with a name that suits them, he continued softly, catching Tyrion's eyes when he finally looked up and smiling when he did, and all the more courage and strength to them when they finally choose their own. If possible, Tyrion flushed even deeper, and his presence fluttered with something warm and strange that Luke couldn't quite decipher, but at least it was making Tyrion come out of his shell again, and honestly, that's all that mattered at the moment. Tyrion nodded shyly and fidgeted with his hands some more, eyes darting around the place as he processed what had just happened. What Luke said, Sev joined in, and Luke nodded toward him gratefully. You're the heir of Quat, Tyrion Quara. He crossed his arms and shrugged nonchalantly. Everything else is irrelevant unless you choose for it not to be. Besides, Quinn said as he walked over and slung an arm over Tyrion's shoulders, you seem like a chill dude to me, once you chill out a bit yourself, but hey, he said while pulling a hesitantly grinning Tyrion into a playful half-hug. We can always work on that once we get to the buffet. I think I saw a bar towards the back there somewhere, and I'd say you've earned it after all that bullshit. Rolling his eyes, Luke nonetheless quietly agreed even when Zev and Quinn started bickering again over whether or not it was responsible to start drinking at this hour in the afternoon. He left them to their argument and went to stand next to a still somewhat flushed Tyrion as he looked towards the podium, where the debate had just begun. 
It seemed the topic of the debate concerned imperial taxes within the mid-rim, and both parties had decided to pick a stance that was very much in favor of them, yet took what seems to be slightly different approaches to the issue. He'd thought that more radical positions would be chosen in order to better argue their positions, but he guessed that this is what you got when you listened to debates coming from a Compnor Academy. It was interesting enough if you filtered out the blatant empire propaganda points both teams were using to argue their case, he supposed, but after the first ten minutes he was starting to bore pretty quickly from the endless kowtowing to the empire and the emperor, as if the bastard of a master had ever done anything to deserve it as if his home wasn't the one here and working hard at maintaining both the fleet and relationships between Quat and the Empire, as if the Emperor wasn't still back on Imperial Center, sequestered away in his sanctum and hadn't made a diplomatic visit to any given place in over four years, and yes, he'd done the research and gotten right pissed off about it too. Breathing in deeply, he forced the anger into a loose shield around him to deal with at a later time, smiling when an inquisitive poke from a dark presence weakened the emotion immediately, Luke tentatively reaching back with gentle reassurance. He was fine. Vader could stop worrying about him. The dark presence softly petted over his own in a gesture of affectionate acknowledgement before retreating back while Luke rolled his eyes with a smile. Fussy mother hen. Unfortunately, nothing much more interesting awaited him as he refocused on the debate, or at least attempted to, and he soon found himself zoning back out again, expanding his senses lazily to try and catch enough stimulus to remain unfocused on the bland, uninteresting arguments being made. He wished one of them would say something interesting, like argue for a lower tax rate, or even no tax rate unless a certain percent of credits was guaranteed to be invested right back into the planet itself— he doubted either would ever touch those stances with even a light-year-long pull, though. When the drawn-out debate finally wrapped up with Team Blossom having steadily argued Team Royal into a corner, Luke was just about ready to reconsider the idea to visit the bar Quinn had apparently seen. Even if he'd yet to find a spirit that could get him anything more than slightly buzzed if he really tried. Sighing, he considered that he at least wasn't alone in his boredom, Zev's eyes having long since glazed over while both Quinn and Tyrion looked like they were both varying degrees of dissatisfied with the outcome of the debate. By which he meant that Quinn was quietly fuming while Tyrion looked to be mostly concerned. Well then, he breathed out as the jury declared the winners, that's thirty minutes of my life I'll never get back, even if it was an effective demonstration of how it works. Force, I've rarely seen a more lackluster and yet painful debate, Quinn groused. Team Blossom could have put Team Royal out of their misery ten minutes ago if they hadn't toyed with them for so long. Eyes narrowed towards Team Blossom in scrutiny. Not that I wouldn't have done the same to Alun, now that I think about it, he admitted. But still, poor form. Honestly, I wouldn't have even minded it if either of them had been marginally more exciting in the stance they chose to defend, Zev complained and Luke stifled a grin as he felt his own thoughts echo back at him. They were smart not to do so, though, Tyrion admitted reluctantly. It would have seriously risked their status, and the both of them are very comfortable in their rankings. One would say giving this snooze fest of a debate would lower them anyway, Zev grumbled as he stretched. Humming low in his throat, Luke considered them all. I'd say we've had quite enough of the debates, huh? he muttered. How about we call it good and take a break at the buffet? Thought you'd never say it, Quinn agreed, relief thick in the air. Let's blow this place. Let's, Luke agreed, turning to Tyrion with an expectant look that was met with a slight flush and a happy nod.
All right, I'll lead the way, the air agreed quietly, but somewhat confidently, and Luke chalked it up as a victory when Tyrion began to lead them towards the place where they'd hopefully get something a bit more interesting and relaxing to do in the form of food and company. Making their way through the crowds once more as Luke signaled to Tyrion the occasional fortune-seeker or other hindrance, as well as taking over whenever they needed to duck and weave, he'd nearly forgotten about the odd incident earlier when he abruptly felt it again, right at the edge of his awareness, a cold, calculating, and dangerous presence. Nearly stumbling in his tracks, Luke was discomforted to realize that, even as he kept moving along with the group, the presence didn't fade this time even though it was barely at the edge of where he could sense it. Either it was heading for the same place they were, or it was following them, and he liked neither of those options. "'Heads up, guys,' he muttered quietly as they dodged another group of people with more ambition than manners. "'I can feel someone watching us, and they don't feel friendly. In fact, they feel downright lethal.' "'That'll likely be a lun,' Quinn snickered. "'After what you pulled, I don't doubt that he's feeling more than a little prickly right now.' "'It's not a lun.' Luke corrected quickly. Miscommunication, not an option right now. Whatever that presence was, it put his hackles on end and set the whispers into hisses of warning the longer it remained at the edge of his awareness. He didn't like that little fact either, and tried stretching his awareness out even further, but the moment they stepped out into the hall leading to the buffet, the presence vanished abruptly, and Luke shivered as he keenly felt the weight of his vest on his chest and the knife sheathed in his boot. "'It's gone now,' he whispered even as he didn't really feel all that confident in his own assessment. But I don't think that'll last for all that long. Something in his voice must have caught the rest of the group's attention as Quinn shot him a concerned look. You okay? he asked carefully, skepticism at his own question hanging strong in the air. You look a little pale. I'm fine, he assured them, but I'm not so fine with whatever it was I felt. And after what had happened last time he'd ignored his warning instincts, he wasn't about to take any chances. Waving over a trooper with a subtle nod, he noted that at the very least there were people on his side and on alert here, though granted he'd had people on his side on the lady too, and that hadn't exactly saved him either, now had it. Sir, the trooper greeted, and Luke was relieved to recognize the presence of Rocco as she drew nearer. What's the issue? she asked, holding her rifle at the ready as she pointedly scanned his three companions with a threatening aura. Rolling his eyes, Luke pointedly stepped in front of them in a protective gesture that thankfully Rocco caught and acknowledged with a small nod. Right now, nothing, he admitted. But I felt someone follow us on the way here to the buffet, and they seemed more than a little dangerous, certainly more dangerous than most of the guests here, he confided quietly, gratified when he felt understanding bloom from around Rocco. Copy that, sir, she agreed with a salute. We'll keep a close eye out on the entrance of the hall and inform the general that the tip-off may not be that much of a stretch after all. Wait, seriously? Quinn blurted out before promptly clapping a hand over his mouth when all eyes turns to him. Yes, kids, seriously, Rocco confirms dryly. When you serve long enough, you come to know that there are exactly three types of information you should trust. Your eyes, your ears, and your gut. If sir says he felt someone following him... I'm not about to waste time sicking kissing the kind of instincts that have saved my life more than once. She then turns to Luke and nodded firmly. We're on it, sir. A weight fell off of him as tension seeped away, and Luke inclined his head as relief flooded through him. Thanks, Rocco. He smiled at her and felt the warmth of a smile returned wrap around him. We'll be heading into the buffet hall for a short break, so you know where to find us. 
Rocco huffed out a laugh and quickly punched in a sequence into her gauntlet's number pad, holding it up to show a small, flashing red dot on the display with a familiar number under it that had Luke burst into laughter as well. Already do, sir, she replied with a snicker. I'm sorry, Zev interrupted with a confused look. But is that supposed to be something? Luke swallowed down his laughter until he could speak again and grinned. It's my tracker, he explained, reaching into his jacket to pull out the small, square device that had the same blinking red light as on the display. I like to roam around, but unfortunately it means people keep having a hard time finding me aboard the lady, he explained to the flabbergasted faces of his companions as they stared at the small device like it was a bomb. So I was given a tracker to carry around during my shift. Now when anyone needs to find me, they just punch in the number in the location menu of their comm and follow the instructions until they find me. It comes in handy, let me tell you, Rocco agreed with a snicker. Sir has a tendency to be found in vents or other places he definitely shouldn't be. Luke rolled his eyes and tucked the tracker back into the inner chest pocket of his jacket. You mean places where you shouldn't be, he corrected. I happen to be the one who has to perform maintenance in them, thank you very much. Rocco scoffed and nonchalantly waved him off. Details, details. You know, Quinn suddenly piped up, I can't tell if the fact that you have that thing is incredibly cool or incredibly weird. Well, thankfully, it isn't something you have to decide on now, is it? Luke returned idly, fixing the lines of his uniform back in place. In any case, thanks, Rocco, he directed back towards the clone in question. All part of the job, sir, she assured him cheerfully. Now run along and stuff your faces while you can, according to the grapevine. The director's been getting more than a little harried by his lordship, and if I were in a betting mood, I'd put credits on you having to save the man from a heart failure, sooner rather than later. Oh dear. Well, it wasn't like he hadn't expected that, if he was being honest. Like he'd said, Vader could be intense to anyone unfamiliar with the man, and even Luke sometimes was taken aback by how strong the man could feel. Then again, the director had made Zev's life rather miserable for a while now, or at least done nothing to stop anyone else from doing so. We'll go help him after a break, he decided eventually, the decision drawing more than a little amusement from Rocco and telling him that both she and likely all of the other troopers were perfectly aware of what they were doing. Of course, sir, she agreed with mock seriousness. We'll delay alerting you of any heart failures until after you finish your food as well. Stifling a laugh, Luke bid her goodbye as he ushered the group onwards, feeling far better now that he'd gotten the troopers on the case as well, and they'd hopefully find and stop whatever presence had been following him around. Well now, he directed towards the rest of the group with a grin, who's up for a late lunch? He was met with the exasperated eye roll of Zev, a softly smiling Tyrion who was wrapped up in amusement, and a wide-eyed Quinn, the latter of which opened his mouth a couple of times before slowly shaking his head. You know what, I'm not even going to ask what that just was, he determined. Yeah, lunch sounds fantastic. Get used to it, Zev shot back flippantly as he strode onwards with long legs that left Luke and Tyrion having to increase their pace just to keep up. He's always like this. Like what, he asked, because what, was talking with troopers frowned upon at these kinds of events? Like you, Zev retorted blithely like it cleared up everything, which it very much didn't. But both Tyrion and Quinn stifled laughter, so it probably meant something to them. Sighing and rolling his eyes as he resigned himself to missing some part of the joke, Luke instead looked on ahead to where the hallway opened up into a large space where the catering had been set up. As beautiful and opulent as any of the other halls in the city hall, Luke nonetheless found himself distracted by the smells of various warm and fresh foods drifting through the air. Well done, Tyrion announced happily. Here we are. 
normally displaced functions as a convenience restaurant where both the workers in the city hall can eat their meals and really anyone else who wants. It's a popular place and the food is good. It certainly smells like it, Luke agreed enthusiastically. And his stomach rumbled, breakfast from that morning seeming very far away indeed, and warmth flushed his cheeks at the sound, the others laughing as his stomach made its emptiness more than clear. Shrugging his shoulders and laughing along, they all proceeded towards the back of the hall where the crowds were thinner and tall windows overlooked the gardens surrounding the city hall. With most people here thankfully being focused on acquiring their own meals or already engaged in them, they found it a lot easier to dodge most of the individuals who were intent on roping him into one conversation or another and reached the back of the hall with little hassle. Which was a good thing, too, Luke observed as he saw him was standing there. Looks like I was right on the money, Quinn noted happily, taking in the bar that was built into the back of the hall, which... While it didn't seem to be serving alcohol in its usual capacity right now, was serving some kind of clear, pink, fizzy drink in high, narrow glasses on stalks arranged on platters. Quinn went to grab a few, only to be hauled back by his scruff by Zev. Oh, come on, dude, he whined, but Zev shot him a stern look. Food first, he said tersely. I'm not letting you get yourself drunk on Montar before you've even got anything in your stomach to soften the blow, and especially not while we're with decent company. "'Excuse you, who said anything about getting drunk?' Quinn shot back, a fence flaring bright against the backdrop of Zev's entirely unimpressed annoyance. "'The fact that you just had to sit through a whole high-tier debate and deal with the memory of your parents being jackasses again,' Zev retorted flatly. Quinn opened his mouth to protest, hesitated, and closed it again while glaring mutinously at Zev. "'Point taken,' he allowed reluctantly, before brightening significantly. "'Well then, on to the buffet!' Zev sighed deeply, and Luke had to stifle a silent laugh behind his hand, while the two bickered in the way only people who'd been forced to share a living space for a long time could, and he apparently wasn't alone in his amusement, as Tyrion carefully leaned closer to him while chuckling. "'They're quite the pair, aren't they?' he whispered quietly, and Luke inclined his head silently. "'They'll make for great friends, I should say,' he agreed." watching Zev haul Quinn along to the buffet while the other complained the entire way that he could walk, thank you very much. Tyrion hummed quietly as they followed behind the bickering pair, both grabbing a plate once they reached the buffet. You seem to have, uh, something of a tendency towards picking up friends from what I can see, he noted shyly, hesitancy ingrained deep, and Luke grinned in the hopes of easing the tension. Not as much as you would think he answered while piling up some kind of fruit salad on his plate. Back home, I really only had a couple of fast friends, and most of those I couldn't see on a regular basis because of several legislative issues. Said issues being that almost all of them were runners, and none of them had ever seen each other's true faces or known their names, but he counted them as friends nonetheless. Really, it was only Biggs and I for much of the time, and I haven't heard from him in nearly a year, he confessed quietly. Moods dampening a little as memories of his best friend settled back in. I wonder where he is now, he mused, recalling how Biggs had followed through on their plan to both go to the Imperial Flight School and get certified. Training would have finished quite some time ago, and he could be anywhere by now. Tyrion made a quiet noise as he picked up a few bread rolls. Honestly, I wouldn't have thought it just looking at you. And Luke turns to him with a surprised look on his face. You... Always seem to know everyone, and that they seem to know you and are glad about it. They're 
respectful, even when they're playing a bit of mischief, he sighed, shoulders slumping inwards as he looked glumly at his plate. Honestly, I wish I could manage that, he admitted in a breath that was barely a whisper. Blinking at the downcast air, Luke flitted through the options before lightly bumping up against Tyrion to get him moving along the buffet again as well as to get him to look up, greeting him with a smile as he did so. Well, I won't pretend to know what is blocking you from doing so or what is making you think that you can't do it, he murmured gently, but I can tell you that it's never too late to start, especially when it comes to making friends, and I definitely wouldn't be averse to making a new friend out of you, he said tilting his head, his smile widening into a grin. So how about it? Tyrion looked at him with an odd look, before cracking a smile and huffing out an incredulous laugh. You're a strange one, Luke Lars, he said. Curiosity and hope and something, something warm billowing up around him like fabric caught in an updraft. A very strange one indeed. Heard that one before, Luke replied with a playful wink. Tyrion's cheeks flushing a bright red while he laughed softly. But I'm still not hearing an answer, friends? he asked, sticking out his hand for a greeting that felt a bit more on the level of connection he was looking for than all this bowing and bending. Considering the extended hand like he'd never seen anything like it before, Tyrion took long enough to take it that Luke almost cracked a joke about how he had to shake it if it weren't for the silent jumble of emotions howling around him, awe, hope, excitement and that odd warmth were only a few of the emotions he could pick out that told him this moment meant far more to the air than he could have expected. Waiting patiently with his hand extended, he beamed when Tyrion eventually took it with some hesitation. Nice to meet you, Tyrion, he joked while shaking his hand. I'm Luke, notorious maker of problems and solutions alike. I look forward to being your friend. Tyrion bit his lip as he stifled his laughter and flushed an even darker shade of red while riptides of emotions around him settled into something hopeful and warm. Tyrion, he returned with an open and beaming smile, I look forward to it as well. Well then, Luke continued, feeling light and excited now that he'd made another friend, how about we join the other two and try to see if we can't persuade them to be friends too? I think they went to eat at the bar. Tyrion offered by way of agreement, and with that off they went, chatting and laughing while they tracked down the other half of their little group. They did indeed find Quinn and Zev sitting towards the side of the bar, still bickering but thankfully eating, as Zev has suggested instead of drinking, joining their friends on the shorter side of the bar with their own food. Conversation picked up as they ate their way through the food. Quinn was, in fact, interested in being friends with the both of them, and also dramatically offended that they hadn't considered him a friend already. Laughing as he put on a show of the offense, Luke nearly missed the approach of a familiar presence into the edge of his awareness. Looking up, he found the exact person he'd expected entering the hall, and noted that despite his recent defeat, Cormus Alon was still as haughty as ever, though now anger and irritation mingled in there as well. His companions didn't seem to be faring much better, and he noted that they hadn't taken their defeat all that well, something that he unfortunately wasn't all that surprised by. See something interesting, Quinn quipped as he noticed Luke's distraction. Hmm, look over there, he agreed, jerking his chin towards the posse he'd just spotted. It seems our royal debater and his companions have come looking for something to eat as well. Glancing over their shoulders without making it all too obvious, Zev and Quinn caught sight of the quintet as well, 
and the immediate dampening of Tyrion's mood next to him spoke for itself. Zev snorted and shook his head. More like something to drink, he muttered into his food as he directed his attention back towards his plate. Just ignore them. If they've got any sense, they won't be eager to have another match with Luke again. Might be a tall order for this one, Quim retorted as he followed the group's trek across the room and towards the bar from out of the corner of his eye before... Ah, shit, he muttered. And Luke could definitely understand why. They've noticed us. And indeed they had. One of Alun's cronies caught sight of him and nudged the prince to alert him of their presence. Pretending to be engrossed with his food as he kept them in his peripherals, he made a point not to look up until Alun started to make a targeted approach towards them. Raising an eyebrow, he met the gaze of the prince head-on as he approached, and was gratified to notice that while his expression didn't waver, his confidence did, if even only for a moment. "'Your Highness,' he said evenly, raising his glass of blue milk in greeting. "'What brings you here to interrupt our meal?' perhaps a bit straightforward in hostilities, but he was feeling a lot less tolerance to the young aristocrat after the things he'd said about his friends. "'He's here to make a generous offer for you to join us for a meal,' one of the cronies said as he crossed his arms over his chest, and Luke raised an eyebrow at the fact that this was the first time any of them were addressing him instead of silently staring. "'Consider it an offer of improved company.' Raising his eyebrow and giving the guy an incredulous look, Luke sighed as he angled his body towards them for a proper confrontation, ignoring how both Zev and Quinn seemed to be two seconds away from growling. "'Look, your grace,' he began before considering the stocky Alun Duke in front of him. "'Lortho, was it? Dirim Lortho?' he asked, not waiting for an answer when a flash of recognition alongside the irritation confirmed that fact for him. I happen to be enjoying my current company, and considering that both times you've approached me, you've insulted them. Without provocation, I might add, I'll be happily staying where I am. Thank you for the offer. That apparently was the wrong thing to say, not that Luke found he cared much, as Alun sputtered and scoffed while trying to maintain his composure. You're passing up the company of dukes and a crown prince in favor of a count and two commoners, he asked incredulously. Yes. Luke confirmed cheerfully, turning back to his food in a clear dismissal that nonetheless somehow wasn't clear enough for the nuisance of this event so far. "'Why?' Alon asked in bewilderment, everything about his presence projecting sheer incomprehension at his choice, and Luke shot the prince a pitying look. "'You really can't think of any reason why I would choose pleasant and interesting company over that of people who have done nothing but insult said company ever since I met them,' he asked gently." almost feeling bad for the prince if that was truly the case. Never mind the fact that I'm a commoner myself, as you say. The prince promptly snapped his mouth shut, but his cronies had apparently not gotten the message. Why, you! The tallest guy Luke recognized as Garmant growled, tensing his muscles as he lowered into a fighting stance and the whispers in the back of his mind screeched in warning and offense. Wasting no time, Luke picked up the knife from his cutlery stabbed the point into a wooden coaster with a sharp thump, and bared his teeth in a snarl as the knife stood on its point in a clear threat, startled curses and exclamations erupting around him as both friend and foe flinched back. Don't even think about it, he hissed, dropping every last bit of pleasantry in favor of sheer hostility that had the fool of a duke stumbling back in alarm. I've taken down far greater men than you for far less. Do not threaten me. Unless you're prepared to go through with it. Come and stand down, the prince ordered hastily, 
pale in the face and leaning as far away from Luke as he could without taking a step back. When the Duke instantly complied with the Lund's order, Luke warily dropped the most threatening bits of his demeanor, but kept himself primed for a spontaneous fight just in case. Alarm radiated through the air all around him, but he didn't dare take his eyes off of the prince and his cronies at the moment to check on any of his friends. Wise choice, he rumbled lowly, throwing his voice for extra effect and feeling incredibly satisfied when he saw both the prince and two of the dukes flinch. Now then, he continued, voice low as the whispers shivered in leftover hostility, with that reaction to just turning down an invitation, is it really such a surprise that that isn't the kind of company I want to keep? It seemed the young duke who had threatened him had at least the good sense to look ashamed of his actions as Alon glared fiercely at him from the corner of his eye, before mutinously staring down Luke while keeping a telling silence as mortification and frustration burned bright within him. Huffing out of breath and more than a little done with these nuisances, Luke hardened his gaze and stared Alon and his cronies down. "'I think we're quite done with this conversation now,' he stated with deceptive mildness. "'Thank you for the offer, Your Highness, but I'm afraid I must decline. Have a good day.' "'You good day, Your Highness,' Luke emphasized with a growl. And that finally was enough for them to be left to their meal, as Alan and his cronies began to back up. With one last glare and a pointed turn towards his meal— they retreated with tails tucked between their legs and bruised pride in tow. Sniffing indignantly, he began to scoop up the last of his fruit salad, determined to at least enjoy the food despite the mood now being shot. Dude, Quinn said off to his side, and Luke looked up from the colorful jumble of sweet and tangy bits and pieces of fruit to find him being stared at by three pairs of wide eyes. Holy shit! Luke blinked and looked at the other two, both Zev and Tyrion appearing to be more than a little unsettled and flustered, but not upset, per se. Or at least they didn't seem to be, even as astonishment sat within them clear as day. What? he asked, and Quinn promptly sputtered out an incredulous sound. What do you mean, what? he hissed, eyes flicking between Luke, the retreating alun, and the knife still planted in the coaster. You just threatened them with a knife! Well, obviously. Yeah, and? he asked. Still not seeing where this was going, a threat for a threat. It was simple enough procedure. Quinn sputtered again, sounding like he was nearly choking on something, and he turns towards Zev with a look that was plainly asking for support on his point, despite Luke still not knowing what it was, before his expression abruptly collapsed into confusion and then exasperation. Really, dude? he muttered while elbowing Zev firmly. Really? Quinn jolted like he was shocked with a yelp and promptly elbowed Quinn back. Ah, what the fuck, man? He hissed back at Quinn. What was that for? Quinn answered with a flat stare that quickly turns disbelieving. Wait, are you serious? He asked flatly. Serious about what? Sev shot back, still rubbing his side, and honestly, Luke would like to know as well, but Quinn only groaned long and deep as he rubbed a hand over his face. Nope he muttered as he pulled his hand off his face and threw his hair. Absolutely not, not touching that one. He promptly hopped off of his bar chair and walked over to the trays of Montar, but not before jamming a finger in Zev's face while he passed by. You're on your own with this one, he informed Zev without any further context, before he stomped over to the alcohol. 
which left both Zev and Luke to exchange clueless looks and pointed headshanks as Quinn went on his own little mission. Only Tyrion seemed to be unaffected by the weirdness, but then again, he was looking to be still rather unsettled, presumably by the whole previous encounter with Elan and his followers. Tyrion, how are you feeling? He asked the heir, who seemed to be doing worse than Luke had expected as all he got out of him was a squeak, a blush, and something that vaguely sounded like fine. Something that ordinarily would have made him ask further queries if Quinn hadn't chosen that exact moment to return with a full tray of the glasses of fizzy alcohol and shoved one into Tyrion's hands. Better once he downs that flute, no doubt, Quinn retorted dryly. Here, have one yourself. There's plenty, and we all deserve it after what we've had to put up with. And with that, Luke got a flute of his own shoved into his hands. Eyeing the fizzy red liquid dubiously, Luke glanced up to where Quint had already sunk back down into his seat and was taking sips from his own flute, wearing a rather irritably exasperated expression while he did so. Taking a tentative sip of his own, Luke found that while the bubbles stung his nose, the drink itself was pleasant enough, even if he could already tell that it contained far too little alcohol to even start giving him a buzz unless he threw back the entire tray of those little flutes. Never mind the full meal he'd just had, and honestly... He wasn't that fond of the taste just yet to go through with that idea, or that fond of the idea of a buzz. It made Big snicker and call him a square more than once, but the fact of the matter was that Luke wasn't all that comfortable with his mind and instincts being impaired, a side effect many other runners had expressed to him over the years. When you relied on split-second reflexes and snap decisions to keep both yourself and others alive— it became hard to feel at ease with giving up that sharpness in all but the most secure of locations and situations. And all that, together with his apparently natural tolerance for alcohol that kept him from enjoying most of the effects anyway, and Luke was more than happy to avoid it on all but a couple of special occasions, and considering he was running a flight at the moment. He considered the glass for a bit while glancing up towards his friends, who were all sipping their own glasses. Well, he could always make a show of it, taking small enough sips that one glass would last him however long they decided to linger here. Hopefully the food he'd just eaten and his own tolerance would take care of the rest. Besides, the conversation was more than lively enough to cover for the fact that he wasn't exactly drinking all that much, with Zev and Quinn already bickering again over how much alcohol was responsible to drink at this point of the exhibition, Zev arguing for minimalism and Quinn protesting that they'd had enough of a day already to get through the rest entirely sober— and Tyrion watching the whole thing with deep amusement as he sipped his own drink. Luke thought it was probably a safe bet that no one would notice him as silently declining the drink. I'm telling you, if I had to sit through another one of those debates without any kind of buffer between me and the reality of absolute boredom that those people choose, I will lose it, Quinn argued hotly, while Zav looked entirely unimpressed. If I could survive having an episode while still not needing to be drunk to get through the rest of this, so can you, he shot back taking a pointedly small sip from his own glass. Flute, one of those two. "'You are a cruel and inconsiderate friend,' Quint grumbled while pointing with his own half-empty flute at Zev, and humor swift and bright in the air like a clattering creak. "'I can't believe I put up with you.' "'Mm-hmm,' Zev agreed idly while taking another sip. "'The absolute cruelest. Can't believe he didn't move out of the dorm ready to go room with Rhea.' Quint promptly slammed down his glass on the table and glared at Zev in betrayal. We swore we'd never speak of that again, he hissed, and Zav merely grinned wide as Luke chuckled, lifting his own flute for a small sip of the sweet, bubbling liquid. Or he would have, if he hadn't frozen in his tracks halfway through lifting his glass, 
his blood going cold as his muscles tensed. Cold. Calculating. Lethal. They'd gotten past the troopers. Damn it. Forcing himself to calm down, even as warnings whispered all around him, he looked up to scan the crowds again to see if he could spot them this time when a second presence suddenly made itself known, feeling damnably similar to the first. Eyes widening as he realized the situation, Luke cursed himself for thinking there had been only one this entire time. Luke? Zev suddenly asked. And Luke barely dared to glance towards him now that he could feel the two presences approaching stealthily, evidently no longer content to drift at the peripheries and gaining clarity as they drew ever closer. But Zev's concern was evident, and Luke suddenly noticed how the conversation had gone quiet at the table. Are you all right? No. Luke answered bluntly, scanning the crowds again, the warnings growing louder and more dire by the moment. The person I felt following us earlier is back, and they've got company. But where were they? He still couldn't see them. You're what? Quinn asked incredulously. Wait, you're telling me you can... There. Shh, he hushed Quinn abruptly, turning back to the bar now that he could track the two people out of his peripheral vision. They're heading our way, and they don't feel friendly. Turn around only on my signal, and don't let them catch on that we know they're coming, he ordered quickly, Quinn sputtering as he did, but Zev thankfully quieted down his friend as he followed Luke's instructions. The two people approaching certainly stood out from the crowd, a man and a woman, for all that they dressed and walked basically the same as anyone else, or, well, almost the same. They certainly weren't all that used to blending in with crowds, since they either couldn't or wouldn't change their gait to something that didn't scream hunter. Even just at a glance, Luke could tell that they were scanning the crowd much like he was, and their movements betrayed an uneven weight distribution all over their body. With that gait, he could definitely make a fair guess as to what was hidden underneath their robes. These people weren't normal guests, by any stretch of the imagination, and with the calculated lethality their presences were leaking into the air like dust, he doubted that they were simply lost either. Not that their barely concealed beeline towards him at a leisurely pace didn't do that already. Heads up, he whispered under his breath, still pretending he was focused on his drink and friends who'd gone stiff with tension. They're armed, and heavily enough that it's making them have to compensate their movements. They're what? Tyrion squeaked under his breath while both Zev and Quinn turned pale as a sheet, and Luke hastily shushed him under the guise of a friendly conversational gesture. Just let me do the talking, he muttered back, and follow my lead. I know what I'm doing. That clearly sparked some curiosity from both Quinn and Tyrion, while Zev relaxed slightly at the reminder, but evidently the situation at present was too much for it to take hold over the tension and burgeoning fear. Swirling the liquid in his flute, Luke waited to look up until the couple were only a few paces removed from them, taking care to smile like he'd just looked away from a pleasant conversation to notice them, the others following suit as they watched his movements. They clearly hadn't expected that or learned how to conceal their surprise all too well, which sent a spark of hope through him that he at least had the upper hand there. "'Gentlemen, m'lady,' he greeted warmly, and like he wasn't shifting his grip on his glass for better purchase just in case. "'It's a pleasure to meet you,' he lied through his teeth. Sizing them up and noting with a rush of ice-cold fear that the woman was holding her hands angled rather oddly in front of her. The large sleeves of her robe touched where her hands overlapped, but something hard pressed out from behind the fabric when it swayed as she came to a stop. Sun's fire. She had a gun at ready. This could turn ugly fast. 
Forcing the rush of fear into a loose storm shield around himself, Luke nonetheless forged on. Allow me to introduce myself. Luke Lars, head engineer of the Executor. What could I help you with? he asked, packing as much aggressive friendliness into his statement as he could, drawing all eyes and attention to him and away from his friends. The pleasure is all ours, I assure you, Engineer Lars, the man purred, voice oily thick and satisfied in a way that had Luke's skin crawling, the presence of the man dripping with lethality and confidence, certain in what he was about to do. Allow me to introduce myself and my vision of a companion, Yanir Tissir and Lalera Ramash. Lie. Luke forced his smile to stay easy and friendly, even as his mind began to drown in shrieking, screeching warnings, until even that was drowned out, leaving him in a dangerously calm state that quickly began to form his flimsy shield of fear into a proper storm shield. Mind be still and heart be strong. From Imperial Center. Not Yanir continued to lie as Luke nodded along gamely, stretching the seconds and bringing his breaths down into a rhythmic pattern. We were wondering if we could join you and your companions for a drink and some pleasant conversation, perhaps. Keeping his demeanor as pleasant as he could, Luke put on an apologetic smile. I'm afraid I must decline for the moment, as we were having a rather sensitive conversation before you arrived. I'll be happy to have the conversation once my friends and I finish up here, though. We were about to head towards the art gallery after this. Perhaps you could meet us there. He tried to redirect as gently as he could, suppressing any indication of how very much he did not want to do that. The smiles on Not Yanir and Not Lalira's faces thinned, and Luke's mind rapidly sorted through escape routes, only to remember the layout of the buffet hall and the realization that they'd been neatly blocked in towards the back of the room, driven into a corner. Suns and sand. Oh! Not Lalira murmured, voice delicately disappointed and a complete and utter lie as irritation flared behind her facade of amiable calm. We were hoping to discuss a matter of some sensitivity with you as well, Engineer Laws, and it's doubtful the art gallery would afford us the privacy necessary. Luke nodded sympathetically, breathing as deeply as he could without raising suspicion as the world drew into crystallized focus, and his mind began to slowly clear. I completely understand. Should I perhaps ask the troopers to arrange a more private place to meet? He suggested innocently, gaining a small measure of satisfaction when both subtly stiffened with alarm. Oh, that won't be necessary. Not Lalira tittered, composure not so much slipping as that it rippled, revealing a little more of the lethally determined mind hidden underneath it in the distortion. In fact, not Yanir continued, taking over for his partner, we know a rather excellent place here to withdraw, away from the noise and chaos. And then he seems to realize just how amateurishly blunt that was. His sensitivities to crowds, you see. He added on with a small laugh that was probably meant to be self-deprecating, but sent even the others twitching at how fake it was, and Luke doubled down on keeping all attention on him by laughing along. Completely understandable, he agreed in a sympathetic tone as colors sharpened and he could nearly feel the rhythm of the world under his skin, the presence of everyone in the hall thrumming under his sharpened senses. But I really must finish this conversation first, I'm afraid. Allow me to finish it, and I'll join you if you tell me where to find you afterwards. Again, his refusal to allow them into his space immediately chipped away at their masks, and Luke could see their eyes grow as cold as their presences for just a split second. 
He was stretching seconds, and he knew it. Ah, oh, this is rather embarrassing to admit to, Nut Lily refretted daintily, and Luke suppressed the urge to roll his eyes. But our matter is rather pressing as well. She batted her eyes towards him, and Luke had to wonder what she thought that would accomplish. I know it is asking for rather a lot, but would you... Could you join us sooner, rather than later, perhaps? Luke twitted the glass stem in his hand to something more easily gripped, and shook his head lightly with a smile. I'm afraid not, but I will join as soon as I'm able, milady, he lied, and wondered if they could even tell he was politely trying to refuse them, or if their growing frustration and even desperation was really solely due to him not going along with their plans. I'm afraid I really must insist, not Lilira tried again, both their smiles losing some of their charm, and he nearly raised an eyebrow at how easily they lost their composure at the first sign of struggle. Whatever these two were, it was clear they were either very new to what they did, or didn't have to contend much with subterfuge and infiltration. And I'm afraid I really must decline until I have the time, milady, he retorted, still friendly, but just a tad firmer in his refusal, hoping they'd just back off for long enough for the troopers to notice what was going on. Nah, really, Nagineer jumped in, tone much less charming and more urgent as his smile strained. We really must insist. And as I said, sir, he repeated, senses thrumming as the runner's mindset took hold, the warnings in his head louder than ever, I really must decline until later. Something snapped in not Yanir and not Lalira's facade, and the cold, lethal core of them leaked out through the pleasantness and into their expressions, not Yanir's smile shifting from pleasant to a forced baring of teeth. I'm afraid you don't quite understand the situation, Engineer Lars, he replied silkily, and Luke was entirely unsurprised when not Lalira shrugged her sleeves back and revealed what looked to be a rather solidly built blaster pistol. We really must insist. Dropping his own facade of friendliness, Luke raised an unimpressed eyebrow while his friend's fears skyrocketed, keeping the attention of the two on him as he swirled the red liquid in his flute and took a calm sip. What? he said when the expressions of the two would-be kidnappers tightened. Am I supposed to be surprised? Neither of you did a particularly good job at blending in with the crowds or concealing the fact that you were armed. You knew. Not Lilira stated flatly her eyes narrow and face pinched with a quiet tangle of frustration, annoyance, anger, and begrudging interest. I did, he confirmed, taking another sip of his drink and stalling for time. And I was more than prepared to treat you as friends regardless of it, but those weren't the intentions with which you approached me, were they? He gave her a pointed look. Then you know what you have to do now, not Yanir stated coldly, all charm long since vanished. Come quietly and without a fuss, or the first one who screams, gets it. Luke hummed as he swirled the liquid in his flute again. No, he decided slowly, tensing his muscles and running through his options one final time. No, I don't think I will. Not, Lalira hissed, and gripped her pistol tighter. Don't try to be cute, she growled lowly and Luke raised an eyebrow while carefully tensing for a burst of speed. Come quietly and don't make a scene, or I'll blow your little boyfriend's squad off the face of this planet. 
Luke narrowed his eyes as he could nearly see his path forward, set from nebulous possibilities into the inevitable, and with a sigh, he casually slipped off his bar chair as Quinn hissed and Tyrion whimpered and considered his flute one last time. It really was a beautiful piece of glassware. Mind be still and heart be strong. Take it with you if you have to. Not your near hissed. Just hurry it up. Luke glared icily at the two would-be kidnappers and began to count down from three. You know, I've said this before, he mused, still considering the glass but eyeing the two up out of the corner of his eye. Two? But really, he continued, turning his full attention towards the two who were watching him warily with eyes narrowed in irritation, whispered warnings finally shifting into a storm of sense and instinct. I must decline. One. Unleashing all the speed built up inside of him, he gripped the stalk of the flute, smashed the delicate glass against the bar countertop, and before anyone could think to scream or blink, he shot towards the woman like lightning and jammed the jagged glass shank deep into her throat. Warm blood spat out of the wound and over his hands as the flesh split and tore apart, and as the woman's presence flared into a deathly panic, he knew he'd hit the carotid artery. The woman's hands flew up to stop him, and a distant clatter told Luke she'd dropped the pistol, but she was far, far too late to save herself now. Yanking the shard to the side hard enough that it was a miracle it didn't break, Luke tore a ragged hole into her neck as she gasped and gurgled on the blood. One down, two to go. Dropping the dying woman in the bloodied glass shard, Luke whirled towards the man who'd stumbled back, but whose face was already twisting into fury as he reached for something. Wasting no time, Luke ignored everything his uncle had ever taught him on blasters and kicked up the pistol the woman had dropped with a swipe of his leg. It shot up with a spin, and he snatched it out of the air, whirling it around at breakneck speed to point at the man, and pulled the trigger without hesitation to unleash a blast of red light that shook the calm hall with its sound. The kickback burned through his arm in a satisfying jolt, and the man jerked back as the shot hit home dead center in his chest. Screams and shouts started to register as panic and fear burst to life with the force of a star igniting. But Luke's attention was fully occupied by the rapid approach of various signatures that were hostile, lethal, and decidedly unfamiliar, as well as the fact that the man was staggering but clearly not dead. Growling, he sharply brought up the pistol and fired four more times, the first three hitting the man in the shoulder, chest, and abdomen, and not seeming to do much at all, except to make him stagger, while the fourth finally hit him just above the collarbone, and sent him to his knees with a ragged gasp of pain. Realization shot through him, and he cursed as he put together the pieces that the man must be wearing a blaster-resistant vest. Adjusting his aim higher towards the man's head, Luke pulled the trigger only for the pistol to click, and the magazine light blinked to let him know the cartridge was empty. Hissing between his teeth, Luke quickly found the bolt action and ejected the empty energy cartridge, cycling through to the next cartridge lined up and locking it in with as much speed as he could safely manage, but even that much delay had given the man an opening. For a moment Luke thought the man was going for a weapon but instead he grinned in a bloodied, vicious bearing of teeth, malice pouring off of him like sand off a collapsing dune, and revealed a small device in his hand, which was promptly squeezed tight, and every fiber of reality around Luke shrieked with warning the moment an audible click was heard. 
Another flash of red light as he pulled the trigger put an end to the malice permeating the air, the man's presence dissolving like smoke, and the bloodied body slumped over with a thump. Panting hard, Luke swiveled his head around to see where the shrieking sense of danger was still coming from, shouts and screams still coming from all around, and people were rushing all around while fear and panic clogged the air so thick for a moment it was hard to breathe. It was a sea of movement, but somewhere there had to be there. He locked on to the several people who were rushing, not to the exit, but to the far side of the room, throwing off cloaks as they went and revealing tactical gear underneath. Suns and sand, there were more of them. How many were there? Luke nearly began checking his newly acquired pistol before he realized none of the would-be kidnappers were heading towards him, and the warning signs were only growing louder and louder. What was... Then it clicked. Switch. Warning. Farside. Hit the deck! he screamed, whirling around to drag Tyrion, Zev, and Quinn down with him to the floor, forcing his friends into a crouch as he kicked the barstools over for even just a little added protection. He wrapped himself around the three of them as much as he could, back to the near side of the room, and hoped, prayed, that his own vest would give even just a little more protection as the warning swelled into a fever pitch of howling screams. Cover your ears! He yelled over the screams of the crowd as he did the same, praying to Castra the sacred storm and Karish the desert and mother of all to protect him and his charges. To protect, 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 protect! The burning heat of the desert filled his body, and the roar of the storm thundered through his mind as the warnings reached their apex. Just in time. A flash of light burned through his eyelids even as he squeezed them shut tight, and he felt the shockwave of sound tremble through his flesh and bones, reaching deep until even his lungs could barely draw in breath. Everything crashed down around them, ears ringing with the force of it, and he pressed himself down on his friends, his charges, even harder, helped by the concussive blast at his back. Protect, protect, protect. Mind be still and heart be strong. The air burned. Mind be still and heart be strong. Something hit his back with the force of a hammer blow, and he grunted against the pain. Mind be still, and heart be strong. And then it was over. Luke gasped as air entered his lungs again, and he immediately shot up out of the protective huddle despite his head still swimming with the force of the explosion. Panting air into his lungs desperately, he swiveled his head around to take stock of his surroundings, and immediately his heart froze in his chest. The entire right wall of the buffet hall had been blasted out, the floor-to-ceiling window arcs that had stretched into slender columns of glass meters tall reduced to a fine glitter of glass shards strewn all over the floor. It would have been beautiful if he couldn't already see the places where the glass was starting to stain pink with the blood of the bodies they covered. And there were bodies everywhere. Even through the ringing in his ears, he could already hear the wails and sobs of despair begin, fear, suffering, panic, and dread clouding everything, until Luke could hardly even see the individual presences anymore. Wind was already blowing in through the gaping wound in the wall of the city hall, and Luke welcomed the fresh breeze as he surveyed the horrific scene before his attention was finally drawn downwards to his friends. Still huddled underneath him, his ears finally stopped ringing enough for him to hear the muffled gasps and whimpers. Is everyone okay? He panted out, trying to read their presence while his head was still swimming from the concussive blast. No one injured? 
Zev heaved out a rasping cough and slowly shook his head. I think... <coughs> he cut himself off with another cough. I think I'm fine. Bruised, but fine. Same here, Quinn groaned out as he attempted to get his arms under himself and lift his body up from where it had covered Tyrion. How about you, too? Did I hurt you? A bit. Tyrion gasped out as he tried to untangle himself from the pile. I feel like I got hit by a speeder, but... Uh... He groaned as he righted himself, rubbing several sore spots in the process. I think I'm in one piece. Then he abruptly froze and turned to Luke with wide eyes. And you? He asked. What about you, Luke? Shit, yeah, Zev hissed, turning dire eyes on to him as he scanned him over. You were on the outside of the huddle. He abruptly cut off mid-sentence, face going mask-like as realization hit home. You shielded us, he stated flatly, and Luke shrugged in agreement. It was his job as a runner, after all. He protected those within his wings. He got the feeling Zev didn't quite see it the same way, though when he swallowed and bowed his head deeply, Tyrion and Quinn promptly copying his gesture. Thank you, Zev whispered and Luke felt the deep well of gratitude seep into him, filling him up with warmth. Many thanks, Tyrion murmured as well, voice trembling. I want to forget it. Yeah, Quinn agreed shakily, running a hand through his hair. Force, if you hadn't pulled us down. We'd be perforated pincushions, Zev finished grimly. So again, are you all right? I'm fine, Luke assured quickly, rolling his shoulders as he scanned their surroundings. A little singed, and he winced as the roll of his shoulders stretched a couple of fresh grazing cuts he hadn't noticed before. With a few new cuts, apparently, he muttered as he inspected the shallow graze along the side of his arm, fingers coming away with a light smear of red. But fine, he assured them. My back took the brunt of the explosion, and that's a non-issue. Zev's eyes widened, and between one second and the next, Luke found himself being gripped by the shoulders and whirled around, strangled sounds of dismay and alarm sounding out from behind him. Holy, holy fucking force, Quinn choked out while Tyrion gasped at a sound that was dangerously close to a sob, and Luke tried to look over his own shoulder to see what they were seeing. How are you even still moving? Zeph whispered out, pale as a sheet, while looking direly at what Luke couldn't see but evidently would have been a lot more dire if the circumstances had been different. He huffed out a laugh and shrugged Zev's weakened grip off his shoulders. Relax, he reassured with an easy tone. I'm wearing a blast vest underneath all this. Whatever you're seeing, I can't feel it in the slightest, and probably only have a couple of bad bruises to show for it. Relief burst out from behind him, and he chuckled when he heard Zev heave out a shuddering breath behind him, I'd appreciate it if you could fix it up as best you could, though, he mentioned idly. Right, Zeb muttered. Uh, of course, hold still for a sec. A hand clamped down on Luke's shoulder, and not even a second later he felt his body jerk back as Zev grunted with the force he had to apply to yank something out, repeated two more times, and Zev sighed deeply. Well, that's the, the worst of it, I guess. I wouldn't know how to fix the smallest splinters without slashing up in my hands, though. That's fine, Luke said as he turned around, 
finding Zav holding three shards of metal, one the length and thickness of a finger with a wicked point, and the other two each about the size of a fist with razor-sharp edges. Blinking at the sight, Luke considered them carefully. Were those... lodged in my vest? Yeah, dude, Quinn confirmed with a nod as he eyed the shards. And there's more. Your back is pretty much like a pincushion of razors at the moment. A pincushion of razors. Now, that was... Shots rang out from the hallway, and Luke's head snapped up towards it as shouts and commotion began to ring out once more, and he abruptly remembered what he'd realized earlier. Sun's fire, there were more of them. Eyes shifting over to the far side of the room, he saw the first of the hunters, or whatever they were, begin to stir again. Evidently, they'd had rougher experience with the explosion despite being further removed from it, and Luke shot a quick prayer of thanks towards the storm and the desert for watching over him and his charges. More shots rang out, and warnings were beginning to trickle in again as he realized they were quickly approaching. We can't stay here, he muttered as he kept his head on a swivel while working himself back to his feet in a low stance, still using the bar as cover, his sore body protesting the movement despite how necessary it was. Get up, we've got to move. Wait, what? Quinn squawked. We're leaving. Do you want to stick around for when those guys come too? Luke asked pointedly, jerking his head over to where the hunters were still getting their wits back around them. More shots rang out from the hallway and the voices were sounding dangerously close. Or when they get here? Good point, Zeb muttered, struggling to get his legs back under him and swaying on his feet before he shook his head to clear it. Where are we heading? Just follow my lead and keep moving as I tell you. Luke ordered in a low voice, keeping half an eye on the rapidly recovering hunters as he held a hand out for Tyrion to help haul the air back up. Are you coming with, Tyrion? I... yes, I think, Tyrion stammered out, glancing over to the recovering hunters and flinching at the gunshots coming from the hall with increasing volume. Please, he whispered, and Luke nodded firmly. He wouldn't be abandoning his charges now, but they had to get moving. Quinn? he asked sharply eyeing the hallway warily as he felt the presences encroach ever closer, as well as coming from outside sun's fucking fire. I'm not staying behind to get shot, Quinn quickly answered as he nodded, feet steady underneath him and body tensed for action. I'll follow wherever you lead, don't worry about that. Then let's move. They're too close for comfort already, Luke muttered. We're moving quick and quiet, plant your feet where I do, and try to keep a low profile, don't make a sound unless absolutely necessary. And who's the best shot here? he asked, while picking the pistol back up. I am, Zev immediately answered, no hesitation whatsoever. Dad started training me from sixteen onwards, and I got good marks in marksmanship at the previous academy before I had to transfer here. Any protests? Luke asked sharply, already unbuckling his uniform jacket and shrugging off his capelet with a small shower of dislodged shards following in its wake, revealing the small arsenal hidden underneath. Damn. There went any advantage he could have gotten out of a pincushion back. Never mind that, then. He would be needing his equipment more than he needed that, and his uniform was too identifiable to serve him any use in either case. When no immediate answer came, he looked up from where he was fishing his knife and knife sheath out of his boot to find the trio staring at him with wide eyes and slack jaws. Guys, he snapped, focus! No protests, Quinn stated quickly. But holy shit, dude, what is that stuff? Not the time, Quinn, Luke reminded him sharply as the warning swelled from whispers to shrill hisses. I'll answer later. Tyrion, any protests? He repeated firmly. What? Tyrion squeaked, bright red with some kind of distress that was too jumbled and tangled for Luke to properly discern, 
before coming back to reality. Oh, right, not protests, he agreed, nodding rapidly as embarrassment flared high and bright. Something he'd normally ask about, but there just wasn't any time. Tyrion, Quinn, you're directly behind me, he ordered rapidly, strapping his knife sheath to his left forearm while he formulated a rough plan to get all of the mountains safe, or barring that, their mountains safe. Zev, you bring up the rear and keep your eyes on sharp. Take the pistol as a last resort and only a last resort. I'll be dealing with any hostiles we come across, so unless you're directly under attack, do not shoot. If I go down or get captured, you take these two with you and run. As he passed the pistol to Zev, he looked everyone in the eyes as he impressed the final message on them all. Don't look back, get somewhere safe, and do whatever you must to get there, he growled lowly. If something takes me down... Your best bet is to count that as a lucky distraction and book it. Have I made myself clear? Yes, sir, Quinn muttered, for once sounding dead serious and entirely devoid of humor. And what if we get attacked and Zev goes down? Good question. He really wished he'd had more time to plan this part of the flight, but it was a miracle already that he was as prepared as he was. Suns and sand he'd owe the storm and desert a damn good sacrifice or two if they all got through this alive for watching out for him. Casting a glance around, Luke quickly found what he was looking for. Grabbing three dinner knives off the table, he knew that it was far from ideal, but would have to do. Besides, he'd had charges who'd had to work with far less as a weapon. These were at least actual knives. Take these, he said as he pressed one into each of their hands. It's not ideal that there isn't anything to keep them in at the moment, but it'll have to do. Just don't stab yourselves or each other. Sons, the presences were drawing far too close for comfort now. No more questions, he muttered lowly as he saw the first of the hunters on the far side of the room come to as well. We have to go. Yes, yes sir. sir, his trio of charges agreed under their breaths. And with that, Luke sank fully into his role as a runner and began the flight. Slinking across the floor of broken glass, cracked stone, and shattered metal, Luke clenched his jaw whenever he heard his charges behind him misplace their feet and displace the rubble. It was only a short distance, thank the squall of the storm, but it still seemed agonizingly long, despite the swiftness at which they moved. Thankfully, tragically, there were bodies of guests scattered all over the floor around them, and more than one was still groaning and whimpering in pain, their presences weak with disorientation and agony. His heart ached with every sound, but sons he couldn't save them all, and if he tried he might save none of them. He already had three charges, and while he'd successfully managed eight in the past, each of the five runs on which he'd managed it had nearly killed him. The most he'd comfortably be able to pick up was another charge or two, and that just wasn't... He bit his tongue to stifle a curse as he saw the person directly on their path to the windows, tucked away behind one of the columns, only one of the many whimpering and wailing figures scattered around the hall, but distinct nonetheless. Of course, he could almost hear Aunt Baru admonish him to not speak of something unless he was ready to speak it into existence. Whimpering in a voice that sounded close to crying, Cormus alone sat bloodied and bruised right next to the slumped-over body of one of his companions, shaking him by his lapels as he attempted to wake him. Or rather, Luke noted with a flash of deep sympathy as he tried to feel for the late Duke's presence, wake it. Sighing, he crept further along his path with his charges in his wake, and closer to where the prince was futilely trying to wake someone who'd never wake again. Darren, please, he heard the prince plead through a choked-up throat as they got closer. You have to wake up. Your, your prince commands you to. Alan hissed through his teeth. You can't. 
You can't let this be. For the love of the gods, dear him, wake up. The closer they got, the more Luke began to understand the picture of what must have happened when he saw how the late young duke's back was torn to shreds and the positioning of the prince, with the prince tucked away into a niche and the wounds on the body. If he had to take a guess, he'd say that the duke had done the exact same thing for his prince as Luke had done for his charges, but paid a far worse price for his lack of extra protection. The body slumped down even further with every shake, and suddenly Luke could see what must have done the young duke in. A large metal shard lodged deep into the base of his skull, right where the spine connected. Luke clenched his jaw, sympathy flashing through him like a shrub fire. At least it would have been fast, and with hope mostly painless. Not that Alun seemed ready to face that matter, not with how thick denial hung in the air. Tyrum, Alun whimpered mournfully, not even noticing their approach as they crept closer. We have to go. You have to wake up. He shook the body again. Tyrum, Hey, Luke whispered lowly as he signaled for his charges to stay put as he leapt on Cat's feet over the rubble. "'landing silently in the niche. "'Hey!' he hissed. "'Jot a little louder until Alun's head snapped up towards him "'with tear-stained eyes. "'Can you walk?' he muttered, "'acutely feeling their time run out as he did, "'but he had to try. "'He couldn't save all of them, "'but if Deerham's sacrifice had ensured that Alun could still walk, "'he had to at least try. "'I just... I don't...' "'Alun stammered, "'presence flailing all over the place. "'Something's wrong with Tyrum. he whispered in sons. Luke wished that he could be more sympathetic, but they had to move. "'Something's wrong, and I, d I don't know what—' Luke grimaced as he looked down at the mangled corpse, and he hoped that Alon hadn't seen the worst of the wounds yet. That wasn't the kind of last image of someone he wished on anyone. "'I'm sorry,' he whispered, "'but there's nothing anyone can do for him anymore, and we need to move. "'Can you walk?' "'No.' Alun whispered as he clutched to the bloodied uniform of Diram. No, 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 there has to... That isn't... You're lying! He hissed shrilly, voice rising in volume, and fuck, they really couldn't use that right now. You're lying! You're lying! Alun's shriek cut off as Luke lunged forward and forcefully pressed a hand over the prince's mouth, hoping that he'd get the chance to apologize for it later, but not right now. Listen to me and listen very closely, he hissed as he held the prince's mouth shut, eyes boring into Alun's pale blue, but with every last one of his other senses trained on the approaching danger. There's nothing anyone can do for Deerham anymore. But there's a lot left to be done for you, thanks to his sacrifice. If you cared about him at all, you'll honor that sacrifice. Get up and run, he whispered lowly holding the prince's gaze while willing him to function through his denial to save his own skin. Now then, he repeated one final time, can you walk? Seconds stretched into eons as Alun stared back with tear-filled eyes, but at last he nodded, and Luke tentatively dropped his hand. Good, he muttered, the warnings around him swelling into a shriek. Then get up. We have to- hey! A voice barked from behind him, and the air screamed with danger. Hey! 
Luke didn't even have to look behind him to know what had happened. It looked like time was up. He's getting away! A voice shouted from behind him, and Luke didn't even bother to be gentle anymore. He grabbed Alun's arm, and with a twist of his body, he flipped the prince onto his back, across his shoulders, and into a carry as he ignored Alun's shriek. Run! He shouted towards his other charges, not looking back as he dashed for the shattered windows with Alun slung over his back. Footsteps rapidly followed after him, but he was more concerned with the scrambling and shouting that was quickly fading away behind him as he leapt into the gardens surrounding the city hall. Luke's feet hit Riverstone pavement, and with half a glance behind him to check that his charges were all still accounted for, he was off. Feet thumping along the ground as he shot into the undergrowth, Luke barely managed to duck under an incoming blaster bolt as its warning only just managed to outpace it. They're firing! Take evasive action! He shouted behind him, beginning his own erratic serpentine movements as he tossed Alun from side to side against the prince's protest to use him as a counterbalance. Then a bolt came from the side and he abruptly remembered the presences he'd felt outside earlier. Flanking! he yelled, turning on a dime as he shot off from his current course at an angle away from where the shot had originated. Keep following me! Sons, he wished he didn't have to fucking yell to get his orders across, but there had been no time to discuss strategy. They needed to put some distance between themselves and these hunters yesterday and form a plan, even just a loose one. He burst out of the undergrowth at the other side of the gardens into an open patch of grass that ended with a high, metal-wrought fence topped intermittently with wicked-looking spikes. Perfect. Increasing his speed as he freed up his prosthetic hand, Luke kicked off from the ground and ran up one of the straight crossbeams, clapping his hand around the top bar and hauling himself up with ease. Balancing on the top, he hooked one of his feet into the metal frame of the fence and held out his hand downwards to help his approaching charges up. Hurry! Hurry! He muttered under his breath as Quinn boosted up Tyrion to allow Luke to get a grip on him, hauling the short air over the fence with one great heave as Tyrion scrambled to snag a foothold. He lowered down the air on the other side and unceremoniously let go. Quinn was already reaching up once he reached back, thankfully, and a lot quicker at getting footholds than Tyrion. With Quinn over the fence... All that was left was Zev, but just as he was about to grip his friend's hands, their pursuers burst out of the undergrowth, weapons at the ready. Found them! Luke heard one of them shout as guns were aimed, and Luke felt the world slow down to a crawl. Time. He needed more time. Thank everything under the suns and the moons that he knew how to get some. Reacting on pure instinct rather than any well-thought-out plan, his hand shot up towards his side, smacking one of the many cylinders he had attached to his vest on the dispenser. A small metal container shot into his hand, and with a flick of his thumb he'd pulled the linchpin and pitched it towards the center of the field at high speed, faster than anyone could react. It impacted the ground with a bang and a cloud of thick, noxious smoke shot out like it was racing the sound itself, filling the field with a thick blanket of poor visibility and clogged, burning airways. Curses and coughs rang out from behind the crowd, but Luke was already reaching down towards a startled Zev and hauling his charge up the fence by the scruff of his neck. Thankfully, Zev quickly got the idea, and with some less than graceful scrambling, they both got over the fence while the cloud was still thick and present. Dropping down, Luke quickly scanned the place they'd found themselves in. Calmer and nearly empty, it was quite clearly far different from the bustling plaza in front of the city hall, and if he had a guess, he'd say they'd found themselves at the back entrance, so to speak, a place to which, evidently, the deliveries were brought, judging by the large cargo speeders parked outside. And all of a sudden, Luke had an idea of how to get his charges away from this situation, buy some time to plan, and hopefully get out of this mess. 
All he needed was to... For the love of the Force, Alun growled as he wriggled in Luke's grasp. I can walk, you know. Then do so. He snapped back without much thought, as he loosened his grip, still considering the speeders for the one he needed. And keep pace with the rest of us if you want to live. Those hunters back there are not messing around. Alun slipped from Luke's shoulders down to the ground, and he noted that it wasn't exactly promising when the prince swayed on his feet the moment he got them back under himself, but it would have to do. With me, he whispered to them all. Stay quiet and stay low. That smoke scream won't last long. With quick, measured paces, Luke slunk through the streets with his charges in tow, already hearing the yells behind him swell in pitch as their pursuers resumed the search for them. With a bit of luck, they'd have disappeared before they ever even caught another glimpse of them. Ducking out of sight of the few people still milling around, he cast his gaze around. Examining the area around them, it occurred to him that it resembled the rail stations of the Lady an awful lot, with the raised platforms that accommodated large, hovering vehicles waiting for their signal to go. Granted, it was constructed with a lot more grace and opulence than the stations aboard the Lady, which had a more utilitarian slant instead of the elegantly twisting bronze that dominated the open structure, but he'd eat his knife if it didn't serve a similar purpose. Which meant all he had to do was find a speeder that was slated to depart, board it, and they'd be safe for the time being. Tyrion, he whispered, getting a quick nod of acknowledgement from the air. Does anything of this place seem familiar to you? Yeah, Tyrion whispered back. We're in Green Key Station. It's the supply line for most of the important places around here and ferries goods in from all over Chitamaske. Then we'll hitch a ride from here to somewhere where there isn't a small army of hunters out for blood. Luke muttered under his breath as he nodded towards Tyrion in gratitude. If nothing else, it'll give us some time to put plenty of distance between us and them. And what if they track us? Seth posited quickly. They will anyway. Luke waved off easily as they slunk along the various stacks of crates, columns as wide as Luke was tall and waiting speeders. They'll likely know where to find us regardless of which speeder we pick, but if we move fast on arrival, we can lose ourselves in the city and work our way to safety from there. But to not make it any easier on them, he pulled out his common tracker, and with little ceremony he crushed them into splinters with his prosthetic hand. Comms, please, he said, letting the sparking remains fall to the ground with an area care. Oh, hell no. Quinn muttered immediately. You are not any value they might have in this situation as a communicator is entirely negated by the fact that they're essentially miniature tracking devices, Luke retorted flatly. You either ditch it now and let me take care of it so no one can slice into it in your absence or you stay behind. He turned around to stare them all down with a look that brooked no arguments, and to his surprise, Tyrion was already holding out his comm unit for him. Looking him in the eyes, he was both relieved and surprised to find that Tyrion was smiling gently. I don't like it, he admitted to the others as Luke took the little device and crushed it without further formalities beyond a nod of gratitude. But I trust Luke. So do I, Zev agreed. And he handed off his comments to Luke's surprise, two small earbuds, which all promptly joined the pile of crushed electronics. Fuck it, Quim muttered as he handed his comm over as well as two earbuds of his own. You owe me new ones, he joked with a weak smile as the sparking remains dropped to the floor before turning towards Alun alongside the rest of them with an expected expression that was abruptly cut short when they saw Alun already holding it out towards Luke with an impertinent but determined expression that was still more than a little blotchy and red-rimmed around the eyes. Noticing the incredulous looks being given to him by the others while Luke promptly took the device from his hands, Alun shot his other charges a dirty look. What? he snapped, as Luke promptly crushed the comm into splinters. 
That thing isn't worth my life. And besides, he sniffed imperiously as he turned back towards Luke to see him drop the calm with the rest of them and promptly kick the pile behind a nearby column. It isn't worth... It isn't worth Dirham's life. He finished in a whisper so quiet Luke doubted anyone but him had heard, and he offered a sympathetic nod. Wise choice, he agreed, dusting off his hands now that any potential trackers were dealt with, and they could go to grounds entirely once they got out of here. Now let's move. He could already feel the presences start to sweep into the station on the prowl and searching for them. The smoke bomb had bought them time, but not enough, and he doubted they would fall so easily for the same trick twice without him re-establishing the element of surprise. They needed to move on, and as quickly as possible. Thankfully, the grinding of machinery and the humming of hover engines powering up told him that what they needed was only a little ways away. Quickly now, he hissed, follow me. They sped through the station while keeping as low a profile as possible, Luke praying the entire way that no one would see them. And three speeders later, they found what they were looking for. An enormous, apparently land-based speeder that was segmented into what seems to be several connected parts, and most important of all, its hover engines were only just starting up. The doors were already locked up tight, but with a cracker in his arsenal, that would be no issue whatsoever. Gesturing for his charges to stay in the cover of a large stack of crates, Luke crept out across the platform, wrapping his storm shield around himself in an effort not to be seen, sinking himself fully into the presence of his surroundings, using every trick he knew that made it hard, very hard, for people to notice him. Unfortunately, it made it hard for his charges as well, but for now that didn't matter, and clinging to the side of the hovering speeder, Luke flipped his knife out from its sheath and wrenched open the protective covering of the door's security system, or more accurately, locking system for all the actual security it offered. Plugging in his cracker's code cylinder attachment into the place where one would usually go, Luke nearly snorted out loud when the hollow display immediately popped up and displayed some of the most pathetic cookie-cutter security possible. Someone had clearly not done any kind of tune-up to this thing at all, ever. Well, it was a runner's dream, he supposed, but the engineer in him was crying. Three brief alterations to the system's code later, and the doors popped open with a hiss, just as the humming of the engines began to reach its zenith, the stored power within the speeder humming underneath his fingers. Jumping back off the side as the speeder slowly began moving, he shrugged off his storm shield into a looser configuration and flared his presence, quickly beckoning his charges out of hiding. Thankfully, they'd kept fully alert, and with quick paces that were as quiet and low as they could make them, they jogged over to Luke as he started walking along the speeder that was slowly starting to pull out of the station. With his longer legs, Zev was the first to reach him, and thankfully needed no assistance keeping aboard the speeder, Quinn quickly following suit as it began to rapidly speed up. Alon barely made it, and the moment he was hauled aboard by Zev and Quinn, Luke dropped back towards Tyrion, who was struggling to make it with his shorter legs, and quickly scooped him up into a shoulder carry as he kicked off of the ground with a vengeance as the speeder began gaining both altitude and speed. He supposed that, out of all of the patrons he could have had, it was fortunate he agreed to a pact with the storm. Running like he'd been granted the actual wings runners were so often rumored to receive, Luke ran up the side of the moving speeder and dove into the open doors, Tyrion quickly being hauled in the rest of the way by his other charges as he swung himself onto the speeder that was quickly leaving the station. They'd made it. Thank the storm and desert. They'd made it. Only for now, and probably not for long. But he'd bought them all time, and time was what they needed. Time to discuss things, to think things through— to make a plan of attack, even if it did shatter into a million pieces upon first contact. 
and time to figure out how the fuck he was going to run his four charges through their flight safe and sound in a city he knew nothing about. There would be a later for all that. But for now, he'd successfully gotten them more time, and they still had a later. Breathing in deeply, he nearly relaxed for a moment as he saw his charges retreat deeper into the dark cargo space of the speeder and away from the rushing winds when he felt something ping at the edges of his awareness from outside the speeder. Frowning as he turned to the still-open doors and pulled his storm shield tight again, dispersing his own presence as he peeked out the doors back towards the station where the ping had come from. And sure enough, on the platform they'd just left, Luke could distantly spot dark figures, standing there, looking up. Frowning at the sight, he quickly pulled his head back into the speeder and hit the button to close the doors. They knew where they were, no question about it, which meant they would have to move fast once they arrived wherever they were heading, but that was for later. And now he at least had a heads up on who would be chasing them, which was the least to ask from a flight. Sighing, he ran a hand through his hair as he turned to join his charges, tracking their own presences as he idly began to weave them into his own, drawing them behind his shield and away from prying eyes, tucking them haphazardly within his wings as gifted by the storm. He'd have to do that properly soon, but for now it would hold. Suns, storm shields, and hidden presences— Two things he hadn't thought he'd ever have to contend with again, save for another run-in with the Emperor. Admittedly, when he'd agreed to be Zev's runner months ago, this wasn't quite what he'd imagined it would look like, but he was here now, and he had a job to do. He huffed out a laugh as that thought echoed back at him. He had a job to do, because apparently, while he thought he'd left his days as a runner behind when he'd left Tatooine, being a runner hadn't left him behind quite as much as he'd thought. Just as well, really. He'd missed something about it, as horrific and brutal an existence it sometimes could be. There was nothing quite like taking charges within your wings and seeing them safely through to the end of your part in their flight. And with four new charges, it looked like he was set to experience everything he thought he'd left behind once more. Very well, then. He'd faced all this before, and he would do it again. For his charges, he would move the suns and the moons themselves if he had to, in order to bring them to safety. Such was the vow of a runner, and such was the pact he'd made all those years ago with his patron Kestra, when he'd accepted the role of runner. He'd made his choices then, and as time went by, he found that he'd yet to regret them. Maybe there would be times when he did, but for now this wasn't one of them. Shaking off the rest of those thoughts, Luke headed in after his charges to see more of the place they'd ended up in, and to perhaps start forming a plan for when they hit the ground again. There was work to be done, plans to be made, and charges to look after. There would be time enough for musings later. For now, he had a vow to keep. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jackdaw Kudai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character... Please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.